This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniel's Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and kaiju a go-go. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles. Hey there, conductors of the metaphysical, and welcome to the Crossroad for the week of July 25th, 2016. We are back to our usual format this week, which means that we are catching up on a whole lot of news. So get ready, because, yeah, we, we missed quite a bit in our two-week hiatus. After the news, then we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Chris and I haven't talked about it since we saw it for the first time at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Get ready. It's time. Still Playing with Toys.net presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. Stop free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Oh, we have fun. Woo! I mean, out, outside of the video game realm, obviously. I do have the Activision game, which is still in the cellophane. I have not opened I have it yet. I haven't had time. I've played City of Slime a bit. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nah. I'm I'm playing uh, Ghostbusters Yahtzee. I want those damn... The, like, the dice that you have to get 236 tokens in order to get the dice for it's ridiculous <laughs> but uh but yeah so yeah there's pl- that's that's the good news is there's a plethora a plethora of stuff to uh to keep us occupied but i don't have the time to occupy myself plethora. with it so it's it's kind of a plethora would you say you have a plethora yeah um, hey, oh, you know what we should do? Because I bet there's a lot of people that haven't been listening to the show that are tuning in for the first time because, you know, that whole movie thing happened. So we should we should reintroduce ourselves. Like, we're uh, 60-some episodes in. I feel like we should probably do that. Normally. So, Don't hey, everybody. Normally? Yeah, I think we usually do, but... All right, go um, for it. Let's, let's just, t- for, for giggles. Uh, hi, my name's Troy Benjamin. I'm one of the hosts of the Interdimensional Crossroad. Welcome to the show. I, uh, I'm one of the guys that does, uh, you know, one of those websites that's outdated, and I also try to put up with a Facebook page, and it sometimes works. But, uh, but yeah, and with me, as always, here on the Interdimensional Crossroad, you know him from Proton Charging. It's Mr. Chris Stewart. Good. How are you, Chris? Do you want to do a Bob and Doug routine? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you no, say, I'm uh, in one ear. No. Oh, all right. Uh, Hey there, uh, good day, and welcome to the Great White uh, Podcast. Eh? My name is Troy, I am in your left ear. And I'm in the other. If you, can, if you can hard left and right that, that'd be great. I'll do it, yeah, we'll do some panning. <laughs> the magic of sound. I'm in one ear, and I'm in the other. And I'm in the other. As, as you guys can tell, so it's been a while since Chris and I have recorded. Uh, we were just talking before you guys tuned in. It's been about a month, Pretty if close. you can believe we it. We forgot where um, all the buttons were. What? Yeah. Uh, speaking of panning left and right, I don't know if I can do that on the mixer anymore. We'll find out. But um, but yeah, maybe a little rusty. But yeah, be- between uh, the movie coming out and we, what we did is we did, uh, as you guys listened to last week, we sort of put a moratorium on recording so that Chris and I could just enjoy it and not be rushing around trying to do a production schedule at the same time as, you know, a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. Going to a world premiere and doing all this cool stuff. Um it's just it's a lot to record at the same time so you guys did you hear you heard two pre-recorded episodes and there was a week off where we did the live stream and 
So um, it's been a while since we've been in front of the microphone, and but it's but it's good because you and I haven't talked since I saw you out uh, in front of the uh-huh. Chinese theater. We sort of looked at each other. We said, "Nope, we're gonna talk in a couple weeks," and we didn't say anything nope, after not that. A thing. So not a thing. So it's it's good. We've been kind of holding off. You guys are gonna hear us talk about stuff for the first time, as if we just walked out of the Chinese theater seeing the And the, the airwaves so, haven't exactly so that's been fun. devoid because I think at the time we've left, about eighteen Ghostbuster podcasts have either up their schedule or popped yeah. up out of nowhere. Yeah. Hey, how's it going, competition? <laughs> uh, how you guys doing? Uh, yeah. But uh, but the good news is yeah there's there's a lot of good podcasts yes. out there there's uh, of course yes have some those those guys have been rocking uh, the cross the streams guys are back um, Ghostbusters Minute which is a lot of fun I've been listening to their podcast and they have been you know dissecting the original movie sixty seconds at a time which is I which think is pretty uh, cool. I think you'll get um, to hear me on it shortly actually oh hey there we go yeah see exactly I mean it's it's cool there's it's a good time. It's well okay. Let me let me rephrase that. It's a very good time to be a fan. It's a terrible time to be a producer of a podcast because I'm like, how are we going to make this different? Everybody else is doing their review of the movie and they're dissecting all the Easter eggs, and we want to make sure that you guys have something unique and different it's to listen us. to. So we're the, um, we're the brand. We're the personality. Yeah, we got Moxie, kid. We got, we got Moxie. Moxie. Uh, no, I'm really enjoying the <laughs> the uh, Ghostbusters minute as well. Actually, uh, I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah just how much you could dial down into into the minutia of Ghostbusters until they started yeah, and, doing and it. Yeah, and I got a little... When they started, I mean, because the the first, you know, from frame zero to, uh, you know, 60 seconds, the first 60 seconds of the movie, they, they talked about tone a lot, and I was like, well, are they going to be talking about tone every episode? But yeah, there's... there's turns out quite a bit for them to, to dive into, and... You know they're they're really diving deep. They're getting into some lore. They're talking about filming locations. Yeah, Ghostbusters minute. Uh, check a, check it out. It's it's in the iTunes a, and everywhere. It's, it's a it's, good it's a lesson in how much information can actually be packed into film. To one frame yeah, of the, film. You know these guys are going in yeah. slow motion and because I said to really myself, well. oh boy, a minute at a time. That really sounds boring. And then I I went and I watched a minute and I'm like, holy crap! There's been six cuts. And I already, you know, there's umpteen things that still going, there, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah. So we'll see. So, uh, so yeah. So well, you know, well, welcome to all of the newcomers out there. We're, we're glad to have you guys here. We, we just, uh, talk. you know, it was funny. <laughs> we, we just talk, we picked up the, uh, Ghostbusters podcasting train because there were none and now there's like 17. So, um, so, Hey, so what we're going to do, uh, Chris and I need to talk about the new movie, which you guys are going to hear. Don't worry about that. That's coming up probably in in our next like 45 minutes to our hour, but there's a lot of news and, uh, you know, we, we do our best to kind of cultivate the news for you guys. And part of the reason that we went on a moratorium is look in the marketing campaign that leads up to a film release, there's way too much. And there was just absolutely no way that we could keep up with it. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to do some news. We're going to talk about the big stuff that we haven't talked about. Plus a few recent items. Uh, then we have a lot of great voicemails from you guys. Cause you all saw the movie and you excitedly called the voicemail, which we really love. So we're going to do that. And, uh, but more importantly, Chris and I are finally going to get to talk about the first Ghostbusters movie since 1989. I have been looking forward to this for two weeks. It's going to be so intense and amazing and we have points and counterpoints and things we like things we didn't like there's a lot to get into so uh chris would you you want to do the honors do you want to throw to the news because it's it's been a while 
I, I don't think you've ever let me throw it to the news. All right, Troy, let's go to the news. Hey, guys. Peter, I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. I improved beam accuracy by adding plasma shields to RF discharge chamber. I have cryo cooler to reduce helium boil off. And to dub it all up, we got a freaking Faraday cage. All right. Ghostbusters answer the call. I'm going to start calling it Ghostbusters answer the call because that's what's in the credits now. I feel like it it's... Does, we got we got to stamp it. Yeah. We got to make well, it official. Well, it does what it's supposed to, which is to distinguish it, you know, to make things less confusing. And it sounds it sounds sucky yeah. to run around going yeah. saying Ghostbusters 84, Ghostbusters 16, right? Like it's like... Yeah, it's it's tough. And for for longtime listeners of the CrossRip, you guys know that when the marketing campaign started with the answer the call, we we did get an official word that yeah, answer the call was going to be sort of that distinguishing mark. And yeah, when we saw that in the end credits, I thought, yep, there we go. They're trying to distinguish it from the original movie, kind of give it a, a personality of its own. But uh, so yeah, Ghostbusters answer the call. It's been in theaters about two weeks now that you guys have been listening to this. A, su- a subtag. And uh, yeah, sub tag, sub sub tag. I think it was what you came up with, which was really clever. Um, but uh, so yeah, so the last two weeks, uh, of course, we have not been recording. You guys did hear the red carpet event, um, but you know, a, a few things have happened. Uh, Waterloo Station was attacked by a Stay Puffed. That was that pretty was cool. Amazing, actually. Um, and uh, there was slime falling from the ceiling there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, the marketing push that happens for these movies. There was just so much that. You just had to enjoy it. You just had to just let it absorb you. There was no way for us to report on it. But um, but so let's let's kind of do a uh, a post release roundup, Chris, because the movie came out. Uh, as you listen to this, we're recording it uh, again because of the magic of podcasting on Wednesday night. So the second weekend is not in the can yet. But um, as we record this, the weekend box office was pretty good. The overall critical response was also pretty good. Not, you know, 200 million worldwide that we were looking for. Uh, you know, it's not Titanic numbers, but, um, you know, pretty pretty steady, uh, a pretty good, and, and especially for a slow weekend in the summer, um, a, a good box office return. As of right now... Uh, we're sitting at a little over 75 million internationally with 57 of that being domestic. So, you know, pretty, pretty impressive about where Sony said it was going to be. Should be, um, should be pointed out that foreign is like three countries at this point. Yeah. Foreign. I mean, the international, so that, that, that brings up a good point, Chris, because China, there's been a little bit of back and forth on, and I've seen conflicting reports. And then I saw an official statement from Sony Look, China is one of the biggest markets, and obviously Ghostbusters Answer the Call is not playing in China. Um, One outlet, I believe it was Deadline at first, said, oh yeah, China didn't want it. They didn't feel that it fit in with uh, the interests of their people. Um, But then Sony came out and said, no, we never submitted it to the Chinese government for it to be reviewed. So we've seen kind of a a little bit of back and forth there. I don't know. It's it's kind of in the lurch, but the international market should be opening up soon. Word of mouth should be helping it. I mean, this this fifty seven million domestically is not a number to scoff at, but it's just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg of what's to come. Um, you know, obviously, Star Trek Beyond opens this weekend. As you guys are listening to this on Monday, Star Trek Beyond came out. Yay, Mazel Tov! It's great. We have no idea how things shook out, but you know the, the good news is that uh, because everybody saw the movie over the weekend, and and it seems like for the most part the response has been pretty positive. 
My guess is a lot of people went into work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and said, hey, did you guys see Ghostbusters? It was actually pretty good. And then hopefully a lot of people went and saw it that weekend afterwards. Have you, I mean, just in the general public, Chris, have you seen a lot of people or heard a lot of people talking about the movie and, and what have been their responses? Uh, positive. I mean, it. I mean, it's hard to ask me because so many different lines of biased Ghostbusters fans <laughs> heads my yeah. way, right? But, so but I'm outside seeing, I'm seeing... of outside of our fan base, you know, have you have you heard? Because I, you know, I go into the office and I have everybody that knows that I'm a Ghostbusters fan, and they go, "Oh, I haven't seen it. Is it good?" And oh, then, you... of course, you know, tonight one of my friends went to go see it because I said, "Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Go 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 have fun." So anecdotal is all right, is it? Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like anecdote. This is our personal experiences. Your mileage may vary out there. We understand. Uh, a good chunk of my friends went and saw it all on their own, uh, and all liked it. Uh, as is typical when uh, big, uh, the big fun genre movies come out. Uh, my my company went and saw it. We played we play hooky on Friday afternoons. Nice and, and tax write off. Well done. All right. That's right. Entertainment. Team building, and um, they all liked it. They all liked it a lot, to be honest. And uh, I think the highest praise was from uh, uh, one of my company partners and the the, the lead designer. He uh, is a, a writer by training and a very critical person when it comes to um, these sorts of things. And uh, he had some uh, some of his family because you know they couldn't come play hooky with us on Friday. He went again on the weekend and he came in Monday and said, uh, I think it was actually better the second time round. And I said, yeah. okay, I'm intrigued. Tell me why. And he said, because the anticipation problem was no longer there. Right. It, right. He, he literally pointed out what, you know, we all kind of knew everybody went in to see that movie holding their breath. Right. Like <laughs> after two years of just constant hot air and what ifs and please wait and all this and, and everybody going, Oh, I can't wait for it to suck. And the other side going, Oh God, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> um, he basically, he basically said, yeah, once that was out of the way, that movie got even better yeah. for me. Yeah. So and, and we'll, we'll get into that yeah. later when we talk about the movie, but I, I had the exact same experience. It was like watching, uh, you know, star Wars, the force awakens where you're like, please don't let this suck. Please let it be good. Please let it be good. Please let it be good. And for the first 20 or 30 minutes, you're holding your breath and you're not paying as close of attention to things. And then once you're able to relax and let it come and sort of wash over you, uh, it's, it's a different experience. So yeah, that, that second viewing. Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. It, it, it ran headlong into two massive animated movies is what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, Finding Dory had been, had a, a pretty long run, uh, was still dragging in quite a few eyeballs and probably will for weeks to come. Cause it's obviously going to be one of the biggest ones of the, the summer, if not the year. And then, yeah, Ghostbusters ran smack dab into Life of Pets and Life yeah, of Pets. Yeah, Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, did uh, did really, really well. And if there was any movie that was aimed even more at a broader audience than Ghostbusters, it was, yeah, the Secret Life of Pets. Um, yeah, and and with the marketing budget to match. I mean, for for all oh, of yeah. the progressive and Papa John's ads for Ghostbusters that were out there. There were PetSmart ads, and there were dog food ads, and there were, I mean, Secret Life of Pets was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they, they were really banking heavily on that film. Oh, yeah. They had the McDonald's toy tie-in, yeah. and you name it. Yeah. Right? Um, so when you factor all that in, it did 
pretty good. Um, when you throw it to places where there was no competition, goes which of course is, wasn't too many by the first weekend, uh, it rocked like the UK yeah. as number one. It was the number one movie. So if you go to some other demographic sampling of a, a decent size that didn't have to contend with these, you know, these other giant movie, yeah, it came out as the the number one movie. So I, I'm, it'll be an interesting summer, and I think it's going to pan out. And Sony's already made it clear that they're they're behind it and they're happy and happy enough that they're going to keep moving forward. And I think yeah, that's something you and I'll get into more. But I think it's worth pointing out that all of this is about Sony trying to. Uh, re-energize one of their evergreen licenses. Right, it right. really would have had to fall flat on its face before they would have completely put the brakes on. And even then, they probably would have went stop on the second movie, keep going on the animated one. <laughs> like, like <laughs> there was Let's no this plan B, plan B. Yeah, exactly. like there was, there was. It was going to take a lot, and it was never going to be. Oh, just pack it up and shelve it. No, this thing yeah. is trekking on one way or another What's, i think this is the thing everybody's measuring by the the the, the budget returns or the, the box office returns versus budget right now and they're gonna like they're looking at it and everybody has their opinion they're like oh it's failing and it's not gonna make it or it's gonna barely break even and sony my impression is playing a 10-year game yeah. where they're like yeah. as long as we get a good chunk of this back we're just going to roll it into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And in 10 years, come talk to us then about how the money right. all worked out. Yeah. I, I feel like your, your impressions of it are about the same as, as where I was at because I was reading, there was a Forbes article that came out uh, like Monday or Tuesday after the release where people were like, the, the journalist was saying like, is this a Batman begins or is this a Superman returns? You know, Superman returns came out. It did. Okay. It, it did modestly at the box office, but it became very evident right out of the bat, uh, right out of the gate that, no, we're not going to do another Superman Returns movie because the audience is not there for it. Whereas Batman Begins, it did okay. It did modestly. And then it did really well in the next weekend and did really well in the weekend after that. And then they started seeing that, yes, people love this Christopher Nolan uh, inspired Batman universe. Um, I, I've interpreted it uh, it, it, yes, some of it is probably studio marketing spin, but I've interpreted the response from the studio and everybody involved as, yeah, we're playing the long game here. We are relaunching a franchise. The fact that we came out and we did, you know, f whatever it was, 57 domestically and uh, 75 million uh, internationally the first weekend, that's fantastic. We know that there's an audience there. We're going to build on that from this point forward. And you know, uh, I, again, anecdotally, um, one of the people that works in my office, they saw the movie on Wednesday night. And and the first thing that they said was, um, I can't wait to see the sequel uh, because there's not going to be as much pressure on them. Exactly. And they're, they're, they're now like they know what they can do. They know the constraints. They have now appeased the the trolls and the haters and the naysayers and all of the people that were pre, pre uh, predisposed to hate this particular film. Now, what are they going to do with the sequel? Because they're free. <laughs> you know, they now have this yeah. freedom with these characters that obviously people uh, have sparked to with these situations and gear and 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 everything will sort of work for them in their benefit. God, that sequel is going to be good. So so now I guess we can start talking officially. What's next? Like, what, what are they going to do next? Um, because I, I honestly, I have no idea, Chris. After all of the articles that have come out, you know, I know... Ivan Reitman has been very public in saying, well, we've got another live action movie in the works. 
it's not a direct sequel to this movie, but yet Paul Feig comes out in Empire Magazine and says, I've got a few ideas cooking that are direct uh, sequel ideas to this movie. Um, they may not take place in New York. That was the interesting thing that came out of that Empire Magazine article. But I don't know. It, it feels kind of uncertain to me, doesn't it, Chris? Like, do you do you get that same sort of sense? Like, we're back in Ghostbusters 3 territory. Where do we go from here? What's next? Um, I will give you... I, I'm going to muster all of my uh, decades of wisdom and... Uh, uh, critical thinking training, and I, I think when you ask what's, wh- where's it going to go next, I think the best thing I can say is, uh, <laughs> it's, uh we're really I, good at that too. Yeah, by the way, I, I want you to know. I don't even know that I, I, I really, I really care to be honest. Yeah. This, it was about um, <laughs> going back to you, and by the way, well done on cutting together the. Uh, the highlights of of our time on the red carpet there uh the, the bit i like <laughs> the most all the technical constraints yeah the, the bit i like most was talking to ernie hudson i was like do you think this is gonna be the spark that's gonna rekindle the flame he's like i don't think the flame ever went away and i was like i've been staring at it for 20 years ernie it it, it, it almost <laughs> went away like yes. but he was very honest with you i love that where he goes i don't know you guys tell me like yes, exactly. i'm the last one to know so this was all about um you know hitting it you know Pulp Fiction style, hitting it with the adrenaline needle, and uh, it's it's working, right? Like like if it was if if Sony had no plan on it going anywhere, we wouldn't be hearing two different parties going, yeah, we got we we got stuff going already. Like yeah. it would have been it would have been cold. It just would have stopped. Yeah, where there would have been there would have been zero. I mean, that's that's the good news is we are talking about next steps because. It, it it seems like a viable franchise. I think that was the big litmus test here was like, is this still a viable franchise? Can we still bank on Ghostbusters as intellectual property? And even, I mean, okay, let's, let's set a live action movie aside. We do have it on the rundown coming up here in a little bit, but look at all of the merchandise that is like magically appearing out of the woodwork because now Ghostbusters is back in the consciousness of the the broader public so every yeah. company and their grandma now has merchandise and action figures and things that they want to cash in with the Ghostbusters franchise on so that's that's the good news is there are next steps that we can talk about what's next yeah there, there's weird weird little eddies in the water that that you look at and are are kind of interesting to try and read. And one was the flurry of pictures going, uh, targets put all the toys on clearance two weeks before the, the, or the week before the premiere, two weeks before. And the thing was, is at the time somebody pointed out, I was like, I, I think target really has a thing about crappy, empty shelves. Like they do that stuff quite a bit. Like, and nobody was ever able to nail it down. But, but in retrospect, because the minute the movie opened and didn't fall flat on his face, people started posting pictures of, oh, yeah, I went to my local Target. They've, the, the thing, it's all full again. They got new stock. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they, they restocked the shelves. I don't, but, I don't want to read between the lines, but it felt a little bit like Target going, oh, it could suck, so let's you know, mark it down <laughs> to 13 bucks. We'll sell them off to kids, and if it fails... Then we're we're free and clear. Oh, it's doing all right. All right, put another order in. You know. It's yeah. Like- I mean, I I I get how that would be the conception, and and I especially on Instagram, all of the people that took the picture of the clearance tags going like, oh, this isn't a good sign. But it's, at the same time, when you look at the price at Walmart, those figures were always fourteen dollars to begin with. So if if anything, 
my interpretation of it and and what I had heard through the grapevine was it's just Target being competitive. It's and competitive, the, yeah. The fact that they put the clearance sticker on there is what everybody sparked to, but you know, as opposed to saying sale, they put the clearance tags on there to mark them to whatever it was, thirteen ninety eight. Yeah, well, which the, is what Walmart was selling them for at regular price. You the, know, the weird thing was is when I got to L.A. for the premiere and I was driving around with uh, uh, what's his name from the Ghostbusters British Columbia, um, uh, Brian. Yeah, what's his name? Hi, Brian. Uh, he and I. Uh, hit a Toys R Us, and we walked through the door, like the sliding doors, and right there in front of us, past, you know how you walk into a Toys R Us, cashiers, like all the... the yeah, the, they're sort of like they're focus off to the right. items or whatever then, they are. Yeah, right in front uh, was all there, please pay attention to this stuff. Like, we got some stuff we want to get your eyeballs on right now. And it had the... It, a whole Ghostbusters display. It was not ratty clearance or anything. They were marked at sale prices, but it was right. fully stocked. It had the big Ghostbusters thing on it and all that. Like it was more of a like you've heard a lot about this movie, right? There's a billboard right outside. You should totally buy this stuff. Like it was a <laughs> yeah. big and they're two for one, so buy more. Like that that's the impression that I got. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even two for one. They were like a slight markdown sort of thing. And they weren't marked clearance. Everything was marked as a sale. Right. And sure enough, the minute the you know, the movie and the premiere was off and running, uh, no more sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. your little your little girl wants a figure now, does she? That'll be 20 her. bucks. So. Yeah, you, your little girl wants a Jillian Holtzman action figure. Did you know that they're on eBay now for $60? What? <laughs> Come on. So, are we doing the news? We've We're still doing the up. news. Yeah, okay, yeah sure. it's fine. So, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll rein it back in. I'm sorry, everybody. The, again, we haven't talked so in like apologize. several weeks here. Don't apologize. It just feels like, like you said, we got a lot of news to catch up on and yeah you we and didn't I even are... talk about the clearance stuff because we were on the hiatus when that happened so um but okay so so here's let's let's get back to so uh reitman is saying there's a, a new live action movie in the works i don't want to tell you what that is obviously ecto force and the animated movie are on the near distant horizon those are already sort of set in stone and moving forward uh feig says yep i've got ideas for a sequel i'm going to take the uh the leading ladies out of new york city i think i've got a lot of ideas because of the, the cast being so great and the situations that we've developed are so great. And then Ivan Reitman throws out that, that the, the buzzword, the virtual reality word. Um, but, you know, again, everybody else is throwing out the virtual reality uh, <laughs> term as well. You know, it, again, you went to E3, CES. It's, everybody's talking about VR, PlayStation, Xbox. We talked about it before we even started recording. Everybody's talking VR. Ivan is, you know, ambitious. He's like, you know what? Ghostbusters is, is perfect and ripe for VR, as The Void has proven at Madame Tussauds, which I'm desperate to get to. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just it's just a possible avenue. And that's, that's exactly what Ghost Core has been set up to do is, look, there's going to be a live action movie or two or three or whatever they're working on. There's going to be a cartoon. There's going to be a live action uh, animated uh, movie. There's going to be a VR experience. There's going to be like, that's what they're doing. They're creating this group to do again, it's, it sucks to say, but transmedia, like it's, it's the transmedia experience. It's across the board, all of these things that are going to be happening. So, um, you know, it could be virtual reality. It could be another live action movie. If worse comes to worse, the next thing we're going to see is Ecto force, which comes out in a couple of years. Yeah. And, it's the 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 merch saturation has really kicked in now that the movie's out. Like I, the number of pictures of 
people posting, you know, they went to the local Walmart or whatever and walked out with bags of back to school stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, like the Purell and the erasers and the jump play. drives and yeah. Foul anything. play Sony to, 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 to start selling back to school stuff. Now you should, you should buy it now cause it's <laughs> ghostbusters. Leave those. Hey, <laughs> Sony, leave those kids alone. Like there's, yeah, they're there's, on vacation. There's a month and, and two weeks <laughs> left. Like back to school, doesn't start until middle of August. Everybody right, knows man. that. Those kids snooze, they lose. I bought it all. <laughs> Look, they had their chance. <laughs> the irony that schools will be devoid of uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters trapper keepers because oh, sorry you don't get pencils to write with. Sorry, kids, I got them. We've all. all got them displayed on our shelf. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other thing that I think is well worth noting, Troy, that came out. Uh, speaking of, God, they've had so many articles. It's. Every, I know, it's, I can't read them all, yeah. <laughs> but Ivan Reitman gave an interview where he very nonchalantly uh, revealed some some big details on, to put it in bland terms, the formation of Ghost Corps. Oh, oh, yeah, This I read this one. This was the one where he talked about the deal that he had to form because all, all of the yeah. rights holders had um, approval and stuff. He had to find a way to work around it. That, it. You're talking about that one, right? Yeah, his quote was literally, they had too good of a deal coming out of Ghostbusters 2. And it's the one we've talked about before, which means uh, Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Bill Murray and the studio all had an equal share and they all had to come to the table to move things forward. And this is part of the drama when people talk about Sony was going to sue Bill Murray. Well, that was about Bill Murray owned one fifth and they couldn't get him to like come to the table to even talk about doing a movie and all this. Uh, and it turned out then that, um, I, the, he didn't talk about a timeline, but my impression was, is that, uh, uh, heading into around the time Harold Ramis died and certainly thereafter, he said he took it upon himself that he basically went to the studio and rewrote that deal with them, yeah. which amounted to, as he put it, <laughs> he had a very great way of saying, it. he could have just said in return for lots of money, <laughs> but what he said was, is, uh, I, that all the rights holders are taken care of and our children are taken care of. Right, right. Um, Basically what it means is that everybody legally after Ghostbusters 2 or going into Ghostbusters 2 and coming out of it all had stamped a deal that said we're all one-fifth owners of this Ghostbusters uh, empire, uh, which has a value to it. And they were all, uh, it was, you know, it was uh, all fair play because they all helped create it. The thing was, it was it was creating this this gridlock situation where they could not get movies off the, a new movie off the ground, and as we saw, yeah, for a long freaking time, like yeah, twenty one, years one of, veto, and it was dead, and it yeah. was all over. And yeah. so, because he wanted to see it keep moving forward, which obviously the studio would want for slightly more corporate reasons, and because they were entitled to it, he just went in and traded uh, rights for money. Uh, is what it amounted to. So now, um, it and that's why, and this is the thing, that's why Ghost Corps was not created from whole cloth. Ghost Corps was Montecito, which was his old production company. Yeah. It turned into 
Ghost Core. So basically, with, with a partnership with Dan Aykroyd, so that that's exactly. how I think they got that business deal done. Was it? It's a partnership as a production company. Yeah, yeah. and and remember, uh, Dan had his production company deal, and that was one of our old news items. Not us as a podcast, but going back ten years or whatever, there was that big deal when Dan Aykroyd finally had his Screw You Columbia and and abandoned his offices there, and off he went. Yeah. So yeah. everything got restructured around. We are the face of Ghostbusters because we made it. We want say in it, um, but that does not include, um, you know, green lighting and getting it. It's restructured. Again, we don't know the fine details, but it amounted to we're going to step out of the way. uh, And in return, you're going to let us create this uh, corporation that all it's going to do is make more Ghostbusters stuff, which is a unique thing. You and I talked about this before. You can, there's only a, a couple of things like the these days that you can think of, and yeah, usually it's, it's, it's and usually it's for massive property stuff like Dis, the entire Disney Empire will have stuff like this, or Marvel's group will have one, or yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's like Lucasfilm, you know. It's it's here's yeah. here's an entity that has been set up solely to make ghost or you know in Lucasfilm's instance, Star Wars Star movies, Wars, but yeah. Ghostbusters movies. So, I mean, and, and the other thing that I thought was interesting in that article was he talks about because everybody, and I say everybody, but I mean the very vocal few that like to throw things in our face that invoke the Sony leaked emails from the hack, like to say, well, Amy Pascal is the villain in this story. And that particular article, Ivan Reitman flat out says, look, without Amy Pascal, this deal would have never happened and Ghostbusters would have stayed idle completely. It would have been dead and dormant, but she was the one who helped shepherd this deal through the table that that Bill was able to sign, that I was able to sign, Dan, you know, to the point where she was able to make the deal happen. And then when she left the studio after the hacks... It was Ivan who said, I want her to continue to be a producer on this film because she is integral to the reason that this is happening. She is the one that has made this deal possible. And, uh, you know, again, somebody on Twitter pointed out to me, it was like, well, the Sony leaked emails say differently. I'm like, but here is Ivan. Again, he may be spinning it. He may be changing the facts of the story to, to sort of make everybody look good. But... At the same time, here is Ivan Reitman in his own words saying, look, without Amy Pascal, there's no Ghost Core. There's no new movie. There's no future movies. There's no animated series. And you know why she's a producer on this movie? Because of all of the reasons that I just said. <laughs> you know, she yeah. she is responsible for making this move forward when it was completely dormant, which it's, that yeah. pretty revealing. It's hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, but imagine something as big as a Star Wars or a Star Trek or a Ghostbusters, and there's only five entities and they all have an equal say, and somebody goes, We need to restructure this. Yeah. Try and imagine the amount of lawyers involved. Oh my God. Which, it, it, and it requires, yeah. like you say, somebody, it needs a couple of people at the center, like Ivan Reitman and Amy Pascal, to drive it forward. So when the lawyers started doing their lawyer thing, this sucks and we're totally, you know, we totally shouldn't do it. And somebody says, let's just trust them and then they will trust, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've, yeah. I've dealt with lawyers. The thing with this is lawyers is that they operate 
to the maximum extent of what legally makes the best sense for their client, which ironically sometimes doesn't help move things forward because it's all about protecting the client and to a degree protecting themselves because they never want to find themselves in a position where they went, oops, we kind of dropped the ball on that one, didn't we? Yeah, JK. Yeah. So it's it's a divorce hearing with five entities uh, all being represented basically. There is a a point where somebody needs to be in the middle and look the lawyer in the eye and say, understood, do it anyways. Right. Uh, Right. We will make the call. Just make it happen. So, and, and as it turns out in a short period of time, like really a matter of months when sometimes, you know, things like, especially at these giant corporate levels can take years to work out. So, and very, very sensitive on all fronts. And again, now very quiet. Holy crap. Was it kept quiet? Very quiet. And again, it puts a lot of things again to go back to those Sony emails, which we said we would never talk about again. (laughs) It puts those in context. You know, Amy Pascal is dealing with this very delicate uh, situation with so many different moving parts that, Look, if she doesn't want somebody to show up at a dinner because she needs to sort of sweet talk this person and that person can't know about it and it all makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah. So, so at any rate, yeah, very, very revealing article. Um, and God, there's been so many of them. I mean, there was, there was this one, let's talk about the Katie Dippold article that came up that was in Yahoo movies, um, where, I mean, again, it's, she's been very tight lipped. She hasn't really talked about a lot of stuff, uh, but she revealed a couple of tidbits about the movie and it was those behind the scenes nuggets that I love. Like that's what I'm looking forward to the most on the DVD Blu-ray release is learning about all of this stuff. But she revealed that Dan Aykroyd's cameo, um, he had a different role entirely. Like the way that they scripted out, he was going to be a spiritual advisor that was named Rick Gale. And, and they, in you know, in kind of like walking through the story, realized that it was going to slow down the movie. And they said, well, what do we do? What do we jam him in? We don't, we don't want it to feel jammed in, but we want to get him in there. What do we do? So they put the taxi cab uh, scene that's in there. And, uh, you know, and then, and same thing, it was a meteor role. Like he got attacked in the cat, the taxi cab role and all of this, this stuff kind of happened. And, and what it distilled down to is what we see in the film. Um, she also talks about the Sigourney Weaver cameo, um, how they wondered if that was going to be a real hit or miss, you know, because she basically shows up and, and they know that everybody's going to say, Hey, look, it's Sigourney Weaver. You know, how do we, how do we play that? And, and they played it really well. Um, but out of that particular interview, the thing that I loved the most was Kevin's eyeglasses gag was completely ad-libbed. Did you, did you get a chance to read this one, Chris, where they talked about that whole, like the camera department didn't like the glare that the prop glasses were giving. So they had him remove the glass out of the prop glasses. Yeah. McCarthy has lenses in hers because hers are prescription, which, right. which you can actually shoot with because being rounded, they don't reflect the same way. Whereas, yeah, if you put in, in flats for, for just, costume glasses uh, they do really horrible things <laughs> with reflections because <laughs> they really they're, they're not the anti-reflection uh, anti-glare exactly. glasses they're yeah. just prop glasses and so so yeah so they they pop the glasses out of the props and in the middle of the scene chris hemsworth scratches his eye through the glass and melissa mccarthy being the improv artist that she is goes can i ask you why no glass that whole thing was on the fly. None of that was scripted, uh, which was amazing because that, you know, look at the marketing campaign that hinged on that. And it's one of the bigger gags in the movie that got a huge laugh. And well, and it, not only all that, on the fly, they threaded that 
throughout the rest of the movie. Like the two <laughs> times he slams into the door. Why? Because he doesn't have his glasses on see. technically. Yeah, exactly. And then later on he comes wandering into them talking and rubs his eyes like they're strained and hurting him. <laughs> they are because he's not wearing his glasses. He can't see, exactly. <laughs> so that's I mean, those are the little anecdotes that we're getting into in our in our analysis discussion. But uh yeah, these these articles are really sort of shining a light on that kind of stuff. Again, guys, if you're out there listening, I really want a making of book. Please, please, please let us have a making of book of this movie with the art and all of this kind of anecdotal stuff. Um, oh, the countdown the, starts for Cinefix. And Cinefix, yes. I mean, I, I can't. That's the great thing is once we learned the movie, I enjoyed the movie. It was fun. Now I want to know more. I want to know how... The, how they did everything. I want to know where that came from. Why are they dancing to rhythm of the night? Was that scripted? Was that ad libbed? All of that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so the countdown to the DVD Blu-ray begins. We'll start Blu-ray watch, uh, 2016 here pretty soon. Uh, I want to talk about the movie. Let's hurry up. Screw I know. I know. Let's okay, go. Let's go. Right. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So, uh, let's see. Uh, again, I would be remiss not to mention what happened to Leslie Jones on Twitter. This is a very serious, uh, very kind of sickening and disheartening note. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I, I contemplated not putting on the rundown, but I, I also know that we need, like, as, as a service, we need to talk about this just even, you know, in short. Um, you know, Leslie Jones was the target of some really mean, hateful stuff on Twitter. Um, the end result of it was that Twitter overhauled their moderation process. They did a, they brought down the ban hammer. Um, I don't really want to dwell on it because, uh, quite honestly, Chris, it's really sickening to me. Um, but... You know, it's, it's one of those things like I, I want to show our support to Leslie Jones. I know the Yes Have Some guys uh, shepherded this video that they put together that just went up last week where everybody did an outpouring of love. And the great thing that I loved seeing from the Ghostbusters community was the outpouring that went towards Leslie Jones from all of the people that I know, all of the people that we see interacting every day, just showing support for Leslie um, in, in what turned out to be a difficult time that didn't need to be. It was just such a weird thing. I... I Again, I don't really understand it. I don't want to analyze it because I also don't understand it, but just kind of gross. Um, I don't it, I, I I know you you dealt with a lot of it on proton charging, Chris, so I, I I don't know if you even want to talk about it, but uh, it's whatever. It's bullying. Like, what do you, what do you, what, yeah, what do you want to say? Bullying and, and the trick is is that there are ways to deal with bullying, but if you if you if you're not in the right mindset to, and they go full tilt, like I can swat individual bullies off one at a time all day. Like, yeah, it's just really not a problem. The trouble is, is they, a came at her far worse than anybody ever came after me. Cause they technically weren't even coming after me. They were, they were trying to get mean and all this, but ugh, it's nothing compared to the, yeah, the stuff I mean, they were throwing the at her. The stuff that they were throwing at her was just, and and rightfully so, she snapped, and then people were saying, yeah. are you mad? And like, yeah, of course she's mad. Have you seen what they're saying about her? And, and The thing is, then, is it's it's trophy hunting, right? Much the same way people yeah. are really, yeah, Paul, I finally got Paul Feig to ban me. It's like, ugh, that, that's not an achievement in life. Like, you can't put no. that on a CV, guys, but it's, but that's what they're yeah. going for, is in their circle of, of horribleness. They just, it's a badge of honor amongst the demons. Great. So Yay. Um, yeah. the main, I, I, and one of the biggest problems was that Leslie is very high profile and loves her Twitter. And it turned out she wasn't 
that familiar with some of the options she could have taken. Like I saw in one there, somebody said, you know, you could, there's some filtering stuff in there. And she was like, I had no idea where was that like a day ago sort of thing. And and again, you know, she's, she's Leslie Jones. She's a very, she's a a very busy stand-up comedian. She's on Saturday night live. She's in films. She doesn't under, I mean, it, it sounds really stupid to say, but she doesn't understand when somebody photoshops something she didn't say into a Twitter yeah, um, that message pa- that really panicked her not and she's like I that. didn't say that I don't know where that came from and then everybody attacks her because of that and it was just I, I felt so terrible for her and so yeah, the last piece of the put and and just simple things like um you know what I mean like all the, it's the usual thing the, it's Twitter if you say something to those guys they've automatically gotten exposure if yeah. you just if you block them and make and make no mention of it they got nothing and the thing was is she she drew attention to she, it. She always she yeah. always felt she's not entirely wrong. Like there's not it's not exactly wrong to stand up and punch these guys in the nose. And ultimately, her standing up when she did and 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 throwing the stuff out there the way she did, even though it escalated the fight with them to the point where she left, and and we don't know whether that's permanent damage or not. Uh, Twitter finally went, holy crap, what the hell's going on, and and stepped in. I mean, there there is. There's a huge difference between freedom of speech, First Amendment, and, like, harassment and abuse and, you know. Don't even get me started on the armchair constitutional lawyers. I know. Freedom of speech, Twitter. Freedom of speech (laughs) is, hey, I hate the government, and the government shows up and says, I guess I can't punch you in the nose for staying out loud. You hate the government. It's got nothing to protect you against being an asshole on private yeah. media channels yeah um, like so and again and it <laughs> opens it opens up bigger bigger issues and that's why i kind of i just didn't want to I, I mean i wanted to bring it up i don't want to dwell on it but it that's needs why to be, no. it needs to be brought up just to show support for leslie is what yeah, it comes down absolutely to. absolutely and and the funny thing that came out of it if if you can look at it on on a bright side or a light side is dan Aykroyd in his show of support said you know, I love Leslie Jones. She's one of the funniest people that I've had the pleasure of of watching and performing. I am writing Soul Sisters with her as one of the three leads. This is this is classic Dan Aykroyd. Like, oh yeah, I'm writing a Blues Brothers spinoff called yeah. Soul Sisters, starring Leslie Jones. Wait, what, Dan? Where did that come from? What? <laughs> it's Dan going. What are they mad about? That we rebooted Ghostbusters with women. Oh, well, I'm going to do yeah. Blues Brothers with well, here women. You go. Here's here you go. Blues Brothers with women. We're going to call it Soul Sisters. How do you like them apples? <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Um, so um, so I, I, I thought that was very fun. I mean, again, it's Dan Aykroyd. He, does, he doesn't elaborate on it. This yeah. is like the Ghostbusters hellbent uh, all over again. But I, I just, to me, out of anything, because of how disgusting all of it was, I got a good chuckle out of that because that's classic Dan Aykroyd. Like, Hey everybody, look over here. In this, like he he's yeah. got his little salesman cart, and he pulls out the snake oil, and he's like, "I've got Soul Sisters <laughs> over here, and I've got it. yeah, I'm just ready to go." It's a wonderful mix of supporting <laughs> Leslie and one part. You know what? Two days ago, I couldn't have sold anybody on a female uh, <laughs> Blues Brothers uh, movie. Uh, now I've got every here shot I want. Here it is, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so that that was very funny. Very um, very canny guy. Very, very Dan Aykroyd. So, okay, so we've got three more items on the rundown before we talk about the movie. So let's get to them. Uh, Violet Ramis Steele, um, one of, you know, Harold's daughter, who, if you haven't seen it, go check out the Ghostbusters Daughter song that she did with uh, her brother. 
just a very sweet. She's been very open lately with the Ghostbusters community, talking about her dad being uh, Harold Ramis and, you know, talking about uh, Harold's relationship with her mother and, and leaving her and getting remarried. And, and it's, it's been very, I mean, very heartfelt and genuine seeing Violet uh, talk about, you know, her relationship with her dad. She's also in the new Ghostbusters movie, which is a lot of fun, but um, she had this great article in um i'm looking on our rundown i thought i wrote where it came from oh split cider split cider which was a, a new one for me but she wrote this article for split cider where she talked about you know her relationship with her dad growing up in the 1980s where all of her friends knew ghostbusters and obviously were fans of ghostbusters and uh you know she'd, she'd have friends come over and play they'd go on play dates and they'd be like can i get egon's autograph oh you mean my dad like there was this sort of weird disconnect of her friends thinking that her dad was the fictional character and you know yada 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 but anyway so um just very please go read it i'm not doing it any justice by paraphrasing it but there was one paragraph that really stuck out to me that i i kind of want to read verbatim from from violet's uh, article so she says uh, and, and she, she talks about very candidly, let me set it up. She talks very candidly about when she learned that the Ghostbusters franchise was going to be rebooted by Paul Feig, she had some trepidation toward it. She wasn't quite sure that it was the right direction. Uh, you know, her father wasn't involved. She sort of felt, again, she felt ownership of it because it was her dad. And so in response to that, she says, as much as I wanted to stomp my foot and align myself with the opposition, there was no way I could stand behind the viciousness and ugliness that seemed to fuel these fundamentalists. From flat-out rejection of women as funny, to remarks about the actors' looks, to the invocation of Ghostbusters 84 as untouchable and disgust with reboot culture generally. I was shocked by the anger and the outrage. Are these people for real, I wondered? Sure, uh, the timing sucks. She's talking about her dad just passing away. But damn, I mourn my dad's absence in this world as much, if not more than anyone. But for people to say that he is rolling in his grave or would never have let a female-centered cast happen is insane. In his personal life, Harold Ramis was kind, generous, and gracious. Professionally, he was always about sharing the spotlight and making the other guy look good. Please... Stop using my dad as an excuse to have the new ghost to hate the new Ghostbusters. It degrades his memory to spew bile in his name. So uh, again, not related to what was happening to Leslie Jones at all, but at the same time, it just sort of shines a light on the negativity and all of the people that just live to be unhappy and they always want to invoke other people's names. Like Harold, Harold Ramis would never stand for this. Ryan Kemp would never stand for this. No, no, guys, the far from the truth. Um, and, and here is Harold Ramis's daughter to tell you so. Um, I, I just, I got choked up reading this article, especially which we'll talk about in a little bit after seeing who the last people through the red carpet at the premiere were. Um, Chris, this article really got to me. It's getting to me right now. I'm getting kind of choked up. You yeah, know? no, it was, a, it's a great article that everybody needs to read. Um, and it, kind of saddens me that a number of people that should read it won't yeah. uh, almost yeah. and pr most likely deliberately won't um 
it's it's very it's it's so it's so insightful and it's so passionately and emotionally written by Violet. Um, and and I know I the, the yes have some guys have talked about it too. Like I want to have Violet on the show just to talk to her about this article in particular. But I mean it. Yeah, it's just it's. It, it's a must read. If you are listening to this and you haven't read Violet's uh, uh, article on Split Cider, pause this podcast and go listen. Well, if you're driving, wait until you get to wherever you're going, but pause this podcast and then read this article because it's just, it's so good. I mean, she just, she says everything exactly the way that I would want to say it. It was, it was fantastic. Um, all right. We've got two more things. Ghost Heads. We haven't talked about Ghost Heads in a while and it's out on Netflix now. Um, have you, have you watched it, Chris? Have you seen it? Uh, I haven't. Uh Oh, that's all right. (laughs) I mean, again, Uh, it's, it's been a very busy, like week and a half. Brendan, Brendan asked if, uh, you know, he's, he was really anxious for me to watch it and I told him I would, uh, and I, I didn't get the time on the weekend as I was hoping to, I've seen little bits of it. I got, I got kind of started on it, but I don't want to comment just because I know I can already tell this thing's got, uh, you know, they designed it with an arc in mind yes, rather, rather yes. than semi like unrelated, uh, chapters, like something like Trekkies has, um, this one has, uh, you know, kind of a, a thread they keep coming back to, uh, a main throughput. So I don't want to, I don't want to comment on it yet, but yeah, uh, yeah. You do see a good progression. I, I, I watched it, uh, last weekend, two weekends ago, now that you're listening to this and I was surprised by how emotional it was. There's some very good emotional spots. Um, you know, especially, like uh, Craig and Abigail, again, of Yes Have Some, I will sing their praises until the day I die. The two of them are just such awesome, genuine people. They're in it and and are very candid about uh, how Ghostbusters affected their life. Tom Gebhardt, friend of the show, um, he gives them unprecedented access. You see his life uh, in you know, sort of sort of a slice of Tom's life, and he's interacting with his daughter and, and showing how his fandom you know affects him as a dad. And, you know, very, very cool. I mean, I know... And and I've told Brendan this in in so many words, but documentaries about fans are very difficult because it's tough to represent everybody. Like I watch Ghost Heads and I'm like, that's awesome. That's about Tom and Craig and Abigail and Peter Mosen and Todd and I don't I don't really do that. Uh, that's not necessarily me. I'm not really that interesting. No. I don't really de- I don't deserve to be in a documentary to be completely honest. Um, but you know that's 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 kind of what ghost heads are you know it's it's sort of a general sense for people that don't know who we are like they they talk about the charity work and all of the groups um brendan i'm gonna chastise you 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 have a movie called ghost heads and if i i hope i didn't miss something but you don't explain where ghost heads came from (laughs) like nobody nobody talks about where that term came from yeah that was Um, that would have been uh at least a shout out to the guy who coined it um (laughs) Yeah, yeah, nice. Nor, uh, Norm, Norm Gagnon, uh, who I think it was a joke. He was like, "Ah, we're just a bunch of deadheads, ghost heads, something like that." Back yeah. in the, the Bill M. Cow days, but I seem um, to recall it. It got stamped into physical reality when he wrote it into his uh, proton pack instructions. It was yeah, it was in his plans. His his awesome uh, the Norm Gagnon uh, proton pack that, plans that he but, would uh, that he would color cop color print out. And then uh, mail to anybody who asked. <laughs> he would. Um, it was it was old school. God, um, Norman Norman Bill were the best. And uh, but I mean, so again, that's that's the tough thing. And I've I've had many conversations offline with a lot of you guys about the documentary because a lot of you say, well, why wasn't Bill's board brought up, or why wasn't GBHQ or proton charging or whatever? And it's like you know, it's 
for a broad audience, it is so tough to describe that kind of thing. And then quite honestly, it's not that interesting to anybody else. Like for us, it's, it's nostalgic. And we talk about Bill yeah. and Norm and, uh, and Norm's awesome proton pack plans that called out for like film canisters and oatmeal cans like that to us, that's, that's memories, but to other people, they go, eh, all right, cool. I guess, yeah, you know, it, there's some, some of it that can be a little too, uh, <laughs> a little, a little too, uh, inside baseball sort of yeah, thing. I think yeah. from what I've seen so far and what I've heard and what I know about it, the one thing I wish they had touched on a bit more, uh, was that this is, uh, not just a North American phenomena, um, and, and I'm assuming it's because of the limitations of the budget. They yeah. they got themselves well, they, they got a decent amount of money that they got to wander North America quite heavily. Yeah, uh, and there are references, but and to be honest, to be fair, I think there were some corners of Ghostbusters fandom. I, I think none of us were really that familiar with until just recently. Like at the premiere, the South Korean. Uh, Ghostbusters yes, showed up yeah. and we all went the, the what now? The, Sorry. Yeah, awesome. Hey guys, how are you? Who are you? And they yeah, showed up in um, full gear like everybody else and we're like, where have you been? <laughs> well, other it, than South Korea, where have you been? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and, and there is, there's a great montage in there of, of all of the like fan submitted footage where like GB Max shows up and the German Ghostbusters show up and, you know, you do see just sort of that slice of how, how a global phenomenon this is. But, but I mean, and the good news is Ghost Heads is on Netflix worldwide as well. You know, I've, I've seen the Japanese posters, the French posters, so it's, it's out there and it's, it's worldwide. So, uh, check, check it out. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it already. Um, yeah, I mean, again, for all of the people, I know there are, uh, a, a few people that are angered with, well, where am I? Why am I not in this? Um, and, and even people that had submitted footage and, and were not in there, you know, it's, it's tough guys. It's, it's a 90 minute movie and it's yeah. about, that's, that's the, the bummer is that the log line is it's a movie about Ghostbusters fans. There are a lot of us. <laughs> that I can't speak to. Cause I saw in the end credits where they, they thank all the, the, the fan groups that set in footage. They do. And it they takes do. up the screen. It is a, it takes it up is the a screen. wall of text. Um, I, I mean, here, here's, here's how understanding I am of the fact that there are so many people guys, I donated to the Kickstarter and my name's not in the credits, but that's fine. I I'm cool with that because they had so many people involved in this movie that like, look, I, I can't fault them for that. Yeah. So, um, so again, it's a, good yeah, check it. it's a good problem to have our fandom, which was regarded as this tiny little, Oh, you're not star Wars or star Trek is too big to contain it in is. a single movie. Well, and again, <laughs> Congratulations. We'll, get in, we'll get into that in our, in our, uh, sort of decompression here about the, the premiere, but God, that was just, it was overwhelming seeing how big we are. And that was just 300 of us. So, so at any rate, so yeah, ghost heads, check it out on Netflix. A uh, really quick uh, merch roundup. There's a lot of it. Um, unfortunately, because San Diego Comic-Con is happening as we're recording this, we don't have all of the details on stuff. But uh, Blitzway has revealed some new figures. Uh, Metzco has uh, revealed some new action figures. Both of them look absolutely astounding. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the sculpts on the faces look great. The lights on the packs look great. The costumes look great. I mean, it's again an embarrassment of riches between this and the um what are this the soldier story soldier stories yes. i was about to see that only my only problem with the blitzway is i have a sneaky suspicion then that if you want to get the soldier story you're gonna have to pay through the nose to get it 
imported because imported if yeah. Blitzway is yeah. doing their high detail figs <laughs> probably yeah their uh, soldier story is not licensed for North America so. yeah so but I mean that's not to say that there's not going to be a lot of options here in, in North America for action figures because like I said Metzko uh, Blitzway Interestingly enough, as we started recording, Chris, I got an email from Maddie Collector. I hear that Maddie Collector is shuttering its doors, so I think it's safe to assume there will be no more Ghostbusters figures uh, through the Maddie Collector mail order, online order. Um, but, you know, Mattel still has the license, and I'm sure they, now that they've seen that Ghostbusters is a viable property, will still be picking up something. So I'm sure there will be more coming from them. Um, Cryptozoic is at San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know about you, but I got my Taxi Driver Impossible Mode card on Monday, I want to say. And so just, you know, again, they're still cranking stuff out. Um, very cool things. Um, and like you said, Walmart has all their back to school stuff. We have Halloween on the near horizon. We know there's a lot of cool Halloween stuff coming from Ruby's costumes and all of those licensors. So just, uh, I mean, forgive the language, guys, but there's a shit ton of stuff coming. And that's, <laughs> I, I, that's the only word that I can use to describe it We're because there's so much of it. We're yeah. going to lose track. It's literally going to come down to favorites or highlights uh, for the, yeah. the foreseeable future. We already technically lost track. Like the we UK did. stuff, we have very little uh, uh, you know, running insight into and all that just because we're not there. Uh, Aside from the guys on Twitter who are kind enough to take pictures of like, look at the confectionary stuff Uh that's coming. uh, The the stuff that's coming out in the UK, uh, here's more candy. Here's more uh, like uh, yo-yos and that kind of stuff that we haven't seen from the rocket licensing people. Um, So yeah, there's, there's lots of it, uh, lots of it to come. So, Hey, Guys, uh, guard your wallets. I'm just saying there's there's a Ghostbusters property out for your money. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay, power up. All right, Chris, it's time. We can f- let's talk about the movie finally. I know it it's been you and I have both collectively seen it 3 times each. Uh but yeah. we, when we saw it the first time, yeah, it was one it was 1 o'clock in the morning. We walked out of the Chinese theater after the premiere event. <laughs> and I we we got a couple of of like on tape uh reactions for for the powers that be, but you and I did not talk. We sort of locked eyes as we mentioned and we were like, we'll talk later. Well, yeah. Don't worry about Save it. Save it. Save it. So, uh, so let's let's start. Let's recap the day. I mean, that uh, people who heard last week's episode, I, I don't think you have a sense of how chaotic and crazy and just I, it, you you kind of mentioned it. You were really drained. Your feet hurt. We needed to sit down. We didn't have any water. Um, but it was just we were running on one hundred percent pure adrenaline to the point that Patrick Swayze would have been proud of us. Uh, but yeah, how, what? How did you feel about that day, man? That that world premiere that we were on the red carpet doing the live stream and 
Then we were immediately like rushed up to that rooftop where there was no pizza to be had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's where you lost me because I'm like I need food. I need food. Um, but yeah, how how did you feel about that day? Like, is it set into you yet? Yeah, actually, regret kind of set in, and the regret is that because it was so busy and chaotic and tiring, I didn't think fast enough, nor did I hassle myself enough to push hard on the get to meet everybody. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of people. And frankly, I really wanted to meet all of them and went away having only interacted with, oh God, an eighth. You know what I, I mean? Like yeah. Just, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I think I mentioned it on the, the pre-record for last week, but I felt like it was my wedding again where I saw these relatives that I haven't seen in, in 20 years or had never met and had only heard of. And I got to talk to him for like 10 seconds or like a, Hey, I'm Troy. Here's a picture. Okay. Bye. You know, like just running yeah. away. And I, I, I didn't like, I saw Ron Daniels for the first time. We talked to him on the live stream and, and I met up with him on the rooftop. It was the funniest. Hey Ron, how are you? Uh, but like I was walking Kelly, my wife and I were on a mission to find food and water because we were just like, we were ready for, for some sort of refreshment. And I hear Troy Benjamin, and I like turn around and I see Ron and he's like leaning up against a wall and he's kind of like, he's got the pizza box next to him and he's looking really relaxed. And I'm like, Ron, Ron Daniels, is that you? I, uh, I just kind of like went up and collapsed into him. I was like, dude, how are you? I have to go find pizza. And he was talking about the Hawaiian guys who had a pizza that had a couple of slices left. He's like, I bet if you go barter with the uh, Ghostbusters Hawaii guys, they'd give you a couple slices of pizza. And I'm like, I don't have the energy. I just need food. But but little, I mean, Ron was doing what Ron does. He was trying to inspire me to go talk to the Ghostbusters Hawaii guys. And I was just like delirious. And so, <laughs> so thank you, Ron. I know you were trying to like build a bridge to have me meet somebody and it didn't work. But yeah, like I didn't get to talk to all the people uh, Craig and Abigail, who I was like, let's make a point. We'll all grab dinner or something. Didn't see them outside of like 30 seconds. And, uh, but it was, it was uh, still looking back. I can't believe it happened. Like here we are, it's two weeks after the fact. And yeah. I'm like, wait, did that, that already, that, that happened. The movie came out. The premiere thing already happened. What? Where are we? What is it? August already? What is happening? Where did the time go? It's it's very strange. The whole day kind of played out like a movie that you've, you, you enjoyed and only saw once, though, so that over the following weeks, little flashes come back to you in recollections. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I had my Ron moment, too, where he came over to, to pat me on the back, and, uh, and uh, I don't... It wasn't really chastising, but it wasn't really... <laughs> wasn't really congratulating me, but he came over to, to, to talk to me a bit about how, how he kind of appreciated how I, you know, I, I, I trolled the haters online. I said, <laughs> I prefer to think of it as, you know, taking no shit. He's like, no, you troll them. I was like, so there's, there's straight shooting uh, lawyer speak for you right there. He was like, no, you troll them. I'm like, oh, all right. All right, fine. I admit it. You're not recording this, are you, Ron? Yeah. Um, but lots of things too, like, um, one of the ways I got to meet a whole bunch of people that I had never met before was uh, I, I I ended up being the vague tour guide organizer of people going to the Biltmore. And at the oh, end... that's right. I didn't even yeah. make it to the... How was that? How did that work out? For everybody who was there, it was 
awesome because I wasn't sure how many people were going to show up. Um, and how, I, how many was it at the end of the day? Uh, by my count, 25. Oh my God. That's I look, the Biltmore is not a big hotel. That's the other thing yeah. too, is that's a lot of people for the Biltmore. A lot. And I'm actually kind of glad that I did contact them in advance. Cause the minute we showed up security, three security guys showed up and said, do you have a permit to film here? Because oh. they assumed we were we were fan filming it, yeah, to it was which, some sort of a flash mob or something, yeah. and, and a whole bunch of, of people in jumpsuits with slightly uh, uh, worried looks on their faces turned to me, and I said, "All right, I have the emails and I have names <laughs> to mention." Yeah, um, We've, we have prepped everybody that we're coming. Not yeah, to worry. And once yeah. and once they double checked that, then they never bothered us again. They they were fine with it. But yeah. the thing was is. <laughs> Uh, everybody got to see the, 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 the door where they came in. Everybody got to see the elevator. Everybody got to look into the, you know, the front, uh, check-in lobby now, which is where the ballroom used to be. Right. Right. And the one thing that they kind of didn't explicitly say, but kind of made it clear because they omitted it when they said, oh yes, you can look at this and you can look at it. They never mentioned the Dana's apartment stairwell which is also uh, at the Biltmore. Right, and right. And then when the time came, I looked at everybody and I said, if everybody wants to make their way up to the 11th floor quickly, <laughs> I will quickly show you where it is. And sure enough, everybody that was there, uh, man, we managed to get them up and, you know, take them through the uh, to the stairwell and got to show them the bit where they stopped oh and did their, God. you know, shoot, tell me when we get to 20, I'm going to throw I'm up. I'm going to throw up. So yeah. they got the whole package and I was very excited because they were very excited. Uh, shout oh out to, my God. to Luna, Luna X, Luna 10. Damn it. I only hung out with her for Luna, a couple of yeah, days. Luna I could have yeah. asked her. <laughs> one, of, one of our first podcast guests, actually. <laughs> I could have asked her what the yeah. X, uh, how the X is pronounced. But so yeah, Luna, Luna, X, would, Luna, Luna was. Times Mars. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of became, uh, I think she joined the Ghostbusters of BC, BC practically because we were all camped out near the airport and uh, she was with us. And so she came out and when we got to do the stairwell, she was so excited because she was like, it's like she just, she was actually giddy happy that she got to see it. <laughs> and I was like, and we, I was like, holy crap. And we weren't even planning to show it to anybody. And yeah. she got to see it. Like, so there was a lot of that. And I kind of. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's yeah. that. I, I remember I, cause the first time I went to the Biltmore, I was on jury duty and it was like a lunch break and I ran up and I got into the elevator and then I'm like, I know the stairwells here. Where is the stairwell? And I was like walking around the hallways and trying to find the stairs and finally found them. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the cool thing is everybody got to experience that together and God, I wish I was there. That would have been awesome. But, um, all right, well, okay. So, so the day, obviously very cool. We have lots and lots and lots of video, much of it, um, tattered and torn with all of the, um, <laughs> technical issues that we had, but we have a lot of Chris and I on on tape, but uh, but we haven't talked about the movie itself, Chris. And okay, I, okay, let's 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 uh, start broad and, and go in. Let's start broad. Let's okay. let's. And, broad. and here's here's okay. the other thing that we have to disclaim to our listeners. And I alluded to it last week, but what we're planning here, because again, so many podcasts talking about this movie. What we're going to try to do is we're going to in future episodes we're going to distill it down to different topics. We're going to talk about the story and the characters in one episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the production design and the visual effects in another episode. We're going to talk about the music and 
um, the, uh, the, the, the gadgets and the science in another episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to have special guests to talk to all of those uh, particular topics so that it's, you know, we, we can have a very like minute discussion about all of the things in this film, but yeah. broad, broad strokes painting okay. with the, the big brush. Okay. Here. We can, we can, we can start high and step down. So exactly. So here we exactly. Go. One, thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, okay. You go first. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yes. Thumbs up. And uh, well, okay. So you've seen it three times now. Yeah. I've seen it three times. Yeah. How did you feel after the first, that first night on Saturday night at one o'clock in the morning, we're standing in the the Chinese theater courtyard, everybody it's, it's sort of, everybody's in a haze. We're kind of walking around like what just happened. How did you feel after the first viewing versus how do you feel now? Um, Oh, that's a good question. Um, for starters, I kind of packed away a lot of the analysis just because when you think about it, the circumstances under which we were seeing that movie was way too perfect. Yeah. The, it I was mean, the it's best. It's like seeing the trailer. It's like the rose-colored glasses we saw the trailer in, right? It was... I think one of only seven opportunities to see the movie at the quality that we saw it at in the world. There's only a handful yeah. of places. Like, I don't know if people understand it, but we, the Chinese, the main Chinese theater, the historical Chinese theater, when it got upgraded for, what is it? City walk. Is that what they call it? The city walk yes. mall. So yes, city walk is uh, over at universal studios and then Hollywood Sorry. and Highland is what they've, they've refurbished the Chinese theater into. But, but what's funny is out of the seven, you just mentioned, those are two of the theaters with the technology that we watched this movie. And it's, it's, yeah. they, it's laser projected IMAX 3d, IMAX which, 3d, lasers freaking lasers it's freaking lasers you put the glasses on it doesn't get darker there's no crosstalk there's no ghosting yeah there's you no, i mean it's you know it's insane. You, know, you know all the crazy uh, uh technical speak and all that all i know it was perfectly crisp perfectly bright um and in a theater um Okay, so the down front was uh, not full, and I don't think there's a balcony. So basically, I think that theater probably holds 500. And there well, was so here's here's the final tally. So yeah. and and you alluded to it in your interview with Paul Feig on on last week's show. The ghost heads uh, counting in the like 320 to 350 range. We're supposed to see the movie in one of the smaller theaters in the Chinese Six Theater, right? It's it's a one of those multiplexes that has six theaters in addition to Auditorium Seven, which is the main Chinese theater. the The Chinese theater seats eleven hundred, and that's oh, what wow. the main that the main show that evening at seven p.m. that the cast and the crew and all of the celebrities that's where they watch the movie, and then there was overflow into the the multiplex, the Chinese six, basically. So here's here's how, again, just speaking worlds to the person that Paul Feig is and how much he adores the fans, he said, look, I've got 300-some people here that paid their own way here. They've been in the sun. The least we can do is show them the movie in this one of seven experiences get them in the main auditorium i want them to see the movie with the laser projected imax 3d yeah and again sony goes okay uh, fine great fantastic so they not even half filled this theater that that seats 1100 with 300 people for their own private screening of the movie 
And and of course, the immediately like on Instagram, I saw the the negative naysayers go like, "Well, they couldn't even fill the theater." Yeah, because they were counting on it being a much smaller theater. <laughs> they were yeah. not counting on the main auditorium being filled with these three hundred some ghost heads. Yeah, uh, somebody took a picture of Paul Feig standing at the front of the crowd, which was mostly uh, seated in the 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 middle uh, area. And all they could see behind them were those front chairs. You know, the seats nobody really wants to sit in if they can avoid it, uh, which yeah. are all empty. And they're like, couldn't even fill the premiere. It's like, yeah. um, uh, well, I mean, if you could turn tech, the camera around, yeah. you would see that every seat to the back was completely, completely filled. Completely filled, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and people um, did that. They, they quickly dug up their pictures yeah. and went, here's the other view. There's great selfies. I think it was Miguel, one of the um, the Southland Ghostbusters. He's got a great selfie where you see the full crowd. But so, so at any rate, so yeah, so pristine viewing conditions. So the I came, 3D yeah. was amazing. Well, I came out kind of packing it away until I could see it because I knew I would be seeing it the following Friday with the team, my co- my company. I would I would be taking my team to go see it because I just saw it with the people who would get every reference uh, yeah. and they'd be thrilled by every in-joke and cameo. Yeah, and cheered cheered when they saw one of their own, like the, uh, the Boston Ghostbusters guys that show up, you know, as cameo roles, and the New York Ghostbusters yeah. guys that show up <laughs> as, as extras. And hear, I heard the little whoop as the Ghostbusters of BC guy saw Luna in there and all that sort of thing, <laughs> right? Like, it is, as D- a different, fan, yeah. it is... It's a, it's let's be honest, a little skewed. And yes, given yes. The, the kerfuffle going on, part of me was kind of like that was you know, uh, and we'll dig into the actually. And this is this is why I kind of wanted to. Get, I was going to dial down. We went from thumbs up uh, out of five stars. What would you give it? I, I I would put it at a good solid three and a half to four. Well, high five, sir, because I gave it a three point five myself. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, I so my it, it my... is awesomely flawed. Or flawed but awesome. I it's, don't, I don't. it's flawed. Yeah, it's flawed but awesome. It's it's sort of again for the reasons that we have talked about Ghostbusters two for many many a podcast, and you know we've defended against Dan Amrick and and those guys who are like that movie's terrible. Look, it it has issues, but it's it's just it's such a joyous and and um, optimistic and fun film. Yeah. And so you know when I when I walked out of the the first screening that night at one o'clock in the morning, two two things on my mind. One. Oh my god, I'm so tired. I just need to go pass out. Two, the third act had a few problems, and and I think that that was sort of that was uh, that was manifested for one one or two reasons. Um, about halfway through the movie, once I realized that I was enjoying myself, I allowed myself to relax, and that's when I realized how tired I was because it was like 12:30 in the morning. Some of the people that were there on other time zones, like I know the East Coast guys, they're like. Oh God, it's like three 30 in the morning. I'm exhausted. And so about halfway through the movie, once I relaxed and the adrenaline wore off, it, 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 it almost like, you know, when you, when you're on, a, um, when you're on a roller coaster and you get to the very top of that parabola, just before you drop, there's that sort of limbo that you're in. I felt like I was in that limbo. It's like, Oh great. Nirvana. Fantastic. Good night. And, <laughs> Um, so, so Wait, I, are I you did, saying you fell asleep. I did not fall asleep. Okay. No, but, but it, it was at that point where I was able to relax and sort of like, okay. So, so the first scene with Zach Woods 
where, you know, uh, uh, Gertrude just gives it to him and that Ghostbuster theme song kicks in and the green ethereal light is shining in his face and the, the logo comes up and I'm like, yes, oh my God, this is happening. It's a Ghostbusters movie. I am psyched. I am stoked. And then before, just before the Battle of Times Square, there's a nice little uh, valley, you know, just in the energy of the film. And about that point is where I realized just how tired I was. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, so I really, I, I knew I had issues with the third act, but I sort of, I knew that I needed to reserve judgment for a second, uh, second viewing. So, yeah, if I had to anthropomorphize the movie, um, uh, I, I mean, and this is and this is the crux of the debate for some people. Reboot suck. Oh, God. And the, some of the movies they liken it to, like RoboCop, they all start out the same way, where you're stoked. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm watching a RoboCop movie. This is great. And by the time you get to the third, you're kind of like, oh, boy, you guys fell flat on your face, didn't you? Yeah. Ghostbusters doesn't fall flat on his face. Ghostbusters is still running running pretty strong and occasionally trips over a loose shoelace, but still yeah, keeps going. Yeah. That's the best way I can anthropomorphize, like comparing it to other reboots. No, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, and, and some of the best critiques that I've seen, especially like the Nerdist uh, review, where they, they talk about when this movie is a Paul Feig comedy, which is the first two acts, it really shines. And then in the third act where it turns into this big, like, spectacle, um, high concept, big budget, visual effects, uh, action sequence, that's not really what Paul is known for. It's not what any of these actors uh, or cast members or crew members are really known for. Um, that's, that's where they said, I started to feel a little bit of a lag. And so after the first viewing and I read that article, I said, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Now... Having seen it a second time, and then I'll admit I went back to the Chinese theater to see it in the laser projected 3D. Cheater. I did. It was so good. Um, having seen it a second and a third time, all of the places where I thought that it lagged, I don't mind them quite so much. I mean, it's it's almost like when you watch Ghostbusters 2 now because you're so familiar with it, you know that they show up to the museum, you know that they just like shoot the slime at the painting and then Vigo is dead. And you're like, wow, that was easy. Like, you know that it's coming. Yeah. So there's, there's a certain amount of, um, like once the anticipation is gone, once you're sort of, you know where things are headed and you understand where they're going, you're paying attention to all the other details. And that's when I started noticing like, um, all the, all the Easter eggs, which we'll, we'll get to. I mean, I don't want to jump ahead because we have to talk about all the Easter eggs. Everybody else has talked about the Easter eggs. We get to talk about the Easter eggs too, guys. Okay. I didn't listen uh, to them. Did they get them all? I, I, there's been a lot of them and there are a few that I've found that nobody else had called out. Like, I'll, I'll, so the one, and, and the one that just sprang to mind when I was talking about that is, you know, Holtzman pulls out her, like the, the spring loaded pistols from her proton pack and just goes to town. And there's that heroic moment where Theodore Shapiro's score kicks in and she brings down the big boss. Um, and in the very last shot, just before the pistols retract into her pack, you see the um, the numeric display on the back that we, you know, on the poster we had the the Easter egg. Uh -huh. There's an Easter egg right there. Did you see it? Do you know what it is? Uh, no, but I think I heard you mention it. Yeah. So when you if you look closely, the the pistols retract into the proton pack, and it reads 1984. So at the height of this thing, where Ray Parker Jr.'s like that backbeat from the theme song kicks in, and you yeah. see a Ghostbuster kicking ass, her proton pack says 1984. Again, it's a wink and a nod from 
you know, probably Paul Feig and the artists and, and everybody that's working on the movie, like, yeah, we know, we know what you guys love. <laughs> like, here you go. Uh, it has to be pointed out that some of the, what you'd call them like references or Easter eggs or whatever you want to call them are very in your face, but there's right. a lot that is extremely subtle. Oh, like super subtle, but yeah. you look at them and go, there is no way that just, just accidentally happened. Like that was done specifically. Well, so, so, I mean, so you bring that up, like what, what are the ones that felt sort of shoehorned or forced or not quite right to you? And what are some of the ones that you enjoyed the most? Like what, what stood out oh, to you? Oh God, actually, oh boy, let me do some thinking here because I think a lot of them, they didn't feel shoehorned or forced, but the ones that stood out most, and they were still kind of nicely put in there, was things like um, the joke about the flyers she was going to put out. And she walks <laughs> back in going, okay, I think I got it now. If there's something strange in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. It, and then she trails off. Yeah, yeah exactly. That or, one was great. Or they yeah. built it into the speech where she's like, that woman can't leave her home. Who is she going to call? Like They naturalistically <laughs> buried a lot of references into uh the into a lot of the dialogue yeah. uh some of it was very good like some of my favorites were um uh where they're talking about the the rent on the 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 <laughs> fire hall and she goes burn in hell i'm burn like in hell. there there's a reference to venkman burn in hell well you know what that's two <laughs> references for the price of one right there yeah. did you so so when katie dipple tells her what the rent is that that to me read as one of the inflation, like, you know, the mortgage is only going to come to, she says 27,000 a month. Nobody pays 27,000 a month for rent, but that's one of those sort of like inflation jokes that yeah. they threw in there as if they were walking out of the, the Manhattan bank, you know? What was um, the other one? The, uh, oh, the, where she's being hauled out that we see in the trailer where she's being hauled out of the restaurant, pulling on the table. The very last thing we see as they yank her out the door is she doesn't grab the table, which she's had a firm grip on. She grabs yeah. the, the uh, tablecloth and yanks it away. <laughs> and, and only the flowers remain standing. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, yeah. It's little things like that where you're like, wow, they really. But again, one, one step further though, Chris, the thing that I love about that is she yanks the tablecloth out. Then when they cut back to her some minutes afterwards and she's running through the city, like, oh my God, get out of the city, get out of the she's city. She's still got the she's tablecloth. She's still got the tablecloth and she like chucks it. <laughs> chucks it at somebody, yeah. Um, <laughs> like Just all those little attention to detail things that I, God, just, I love. And that's, again, repeat viewing really helps you on, on a lot of that kind of stuff. So Yeah, lots of great little things that... Um, um, what, what were some of the ones that didn't land for So let's, let's talk about the cameos because there were a lot of cameos in there and I've heard right. a lot of debate on which ones work, which ones do not work. Uh, to me, Annie Potts works the best, uh, Dan oh, really? Aykroyd works the best and, and Sigourney Weaver works the best. But what, what about you? How did you feel on, on the cameos? I put Dan's at the top. That one was smooth as silk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that Dan actually did a voice and all that. Like he basically went into cab character. Yeah, he he was a New York cabbie. He was there. There was yeah. no there was no way that you could miss that it was him, but he was going outside of, you know, 
he, he was doing a character and it naturally again one of those references worked beautifully because he was the one who got to say i ain't afraid of no ghost but yeah. it wasn't yeah wink wink i said the line like it was built perfectly naturally into his dialogue yeah, and, um, and the cab the cab is speeding away before you realize what he said too. Yeah, There's exactly. not like that but um no. at the end. And he yeah. frankly he frankly got one of the better jokes, which is he's like, I need to go to Chinatown. He's like, Yeah, it's a bit one block further than That's I usually like to go. I wanna go. And I'm yeah. laughing my ass up one block. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um Annie was pretty good, but hers was very on the nose. Hers, but, hers was on the nose, but, but she they, does get this solid, what do you want they, in there? They and, blow past yes. it so fast that it doesn't even matter. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, to a certain degree, I, I may even put Harold's first. Harold's It's, Harold's it's very in your face, but it's also very nice that they yeah. found a way to do that. Because they literally could have just left it with the four Harold Ramis at the end of the credits. That happens all the time. They actually found a way to get him into the movie, and it worked very nicely. <laughs> and it works, yeah. And it's and it's very subtle. And for those who are in the know, they get it. And for the uh, you know the eight year olds, like I, the third time I saw it, I was with an eight year old and a six year old, and both of them didn't know, didn't care. <laughs> you know, it was one of yeah. those kind of things. And, uh, yeah, I saw it, I saw it with uh, I saw it with one crowd uh, at the premiere, and they all went nuts. Yeah. And I saw it uh, last night with another crowd that was loving the movie to death. Not a peep. Oh, actually, yeah. that's not true. There, yeah. there wasn't the visceral reaction, but I actually heard a woman go, "Aw, aw." Yeah, the same thing. The third time I was there, there was somebody like three rows behind me. It was like, "Aw," like there was. There's that melancholy yeah. moment where somebody realizes who that is. And, um, yeah. Ernie didn't get a lot of time. I liked him showing up, and he was perfectly fine. But he, oh, but he gets the best joke at the oh, end. Yeah. Stacking them like the flapjacks. Best joke at the end, and and it's the security title for the movie, so it's all the better. And it, yeah, yeah. Flapjacks. Uh, flapjacks. So good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk about um, Murray's. He got yeah. a lot. He went for it. And then there seems to be a split debate on whether the way he played it is indicative that he was mailing it in and didn't want to be there. Or if it was him really just kind of going nuts with it and doing something different oh yeah i i got the i got the impression of the latter i mean how how did you feel toward because i did want to talk about the heist uh, cameo obviously because it's it's peter it's peter vankman but not peter vankman it's actually the antithesis of peter vankman in a ghostbusters film so i mean part of it is the anticipation is i want him to be a wise ass i yeah. want him to crack jokes that's not who this character is. So do you yeah. think part of it is the anticipation of who Bill Murray will show up and play? Or is it also how he played the character? I think it's, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Um, he went off into a different character too, but it's not what everybody, you know, is happy seeing with Bill Murray necessarily. There was a bit of it. There was flashes of it. Like uh, the bit where the trap pops open and he goes, a girl. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's... Casper? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. But I mean, uh, what's funny is there's, there's one moment where you go, oh my God, this is Bill Murray in a Ghostbusters movie where he goes... When did you, I, I, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact line, but he says the word ghost. 
And he sort of says it like he doesn't believe it. He says it like it's really silly, almost almost to the way that like when Ray Parker Jr. performs uh, the new the, the Ghostbusters theme now, when he says, I'm afraid of no ghost, like he says it kind of goofy, like it's a joke to him. And <laughs> Oh, you mean the viral Ray Parker Jr. version of it that's taking over every other copy out there? It's It's everywhere. Boy, that took a little while. And yeah, that's an aside, but somebody pointed out that it's a different recording. Uh, it is. It is. And that's we haven't even talked about the soundtrack either. Yeah, oh it's a God. different recording. That's a it different, was from that's 2009, a different... I think we have heard. I think Tyler uh, Foster of the DVD Talk Guys said that he confirmed with RCA it was done in 2009 around the time of the video, video game. game because people talked about it in the video game was a different uh, record too, and at the time there was mention of it getting remixed, like yes, not yeah. re-record it necessarily, but the old tracks were re- remastered. Sorry, remastered, it. but it sounds it sounds like a new voice recording, new vocals, and, and, and it's, because you, yeah, it's nearly impossible to tell until you get to the the trail off at the end because those are his he's speaking them. There's there's the, he's not singing. Yeah, them. when he's singing, he's Ray Parker freaking Jr. He'll hit the note every single time. So Ray Parker Jr. re singing the. Uh, you know, right down to the yeah, 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 yeahs. He's hitting it exactly the same because he's Ray Parker freaking Jr. But when yeah. he gets to the, I hear he likes the girls. There's that's it's that's different. An, yeah, that's an inflection totally thing, yeah. and you can actually hear that it's a different read. It's um, yeah, it's it's and it's not in the movie. That's the other thing. It's yeah. only on the soundtrack. So, it's very um, odd. So keep so, keep your CDs of the old soundtrack because because <laughs> apparently, and this is what where it came up um, as part of this whole iTunes and match system thing that got going on. It's overwritten the so it's, if you buy yeah. the original soundtrack, it's overwritten that original version on that copy Which of the soundtrack. Which is very strange, very strange, very strange. But, um, um, so all right, so so digressing. Let's go back to Martin Heist because what do you mean digressing? This no, is the next two back. months of our life. I know it's just exactly. exactly. So I, I Ice, yeah, yeah, I. I loved seeing Murray because it, he shows up first in the TV um, spot. You, like you see him in the yeah. source video, and he said he has his joke with the "hell no," which the first time landed pretty well. There was a good joke. The second time I saw it, there was like nothing. Nobody understood that that was a joke. Then the third time I saw it, it, it got a, a, another chuckle. So it's it's interesting that joke kind of sometimes plays and sometimes doesn't play. Yeah. And I think it's again it's because oh my god, that's Bill Murray. Wait, he's kind of like an eccentric debunker that's kind of a jerk? Wait a minute, this is strange. I think people are sort of easing into adjusting to that and... I think I think it takes people out of it where the other cameos are seamless and you mentioned like with, with Ackroyd, it's smooth as silk. There's a little bit of a bump with Murray and how could it not? It's Bill Murray. Like there's always going to be a little bit of a bump with him. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange. I, I wish he had more airtime. I wish he had time to play with them. Yeah. Again, the, the Katie Dippold article that we mentioned earlier, she talks about, they didn't even know if Murray was going to show up until the day that he flew in and they sent a car for him. So that's the weird it, part is that they didn't know whether he was going to show up or not. And they ended up giving him a sizable extra part. <laughs> Like, size, but but still only a day's worth of filming. I mean, they don't give him a meaty enough role that he... I, yeah. I think it would have been great if he would have integrated more into the film, if he would have proved to be more of a foil for the... Like, let's... Okay, so t- again, t- coming back to a 50,000-foot view, I feel like a lot of stuff was really too easy for our new four protagonists. Like, yeah. they didn't have a great foil like a Walter Peck. They didn't have... 
you know, the, the mayor was very nice to them. He was like, knock it off, but keep doing what you're doing. You know, I mean, and, and <laughs> did they survive? Sure. Sure. I think they yeah, died. I think they did. <laughs> on, their on organs the, are on the outside of their bodies. On that uh, horrible note. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it would have worked a whole lot better if Murray would have had a little, a, a, yeah. a little more time to shoot and um, well some people know. pointed out it's made so that it's not entirely certain whether he dies or not right nobody Which says I, he's dead so here's here's all the things that make sense to me now when we interviewed andrew schaefer and we were talking about the forward in ghosts from our past yes. he said he had to rewrite it as if heiss was not dead do you remember that he said something to the effect of like well i wrote the forward as if the character was dead writing it as a ghost and then they had me change it so that it was a little more ambiguous yeah i um exactly he which would have been weird anyways the idea of a a forward in a book written by a ghost the, ghost, but the ghost for ghost from our past is writing the for i mean it's actually very hysterical if you think about it but uh, well here and here's the thing actually i kind of this and this are we doing the the untied shoelaces this episode, or are we gonna save them? <laughs> Let's do the untied shoelaces. Make, it's make, fine. Make well, make a reference to one one of the little untied shoelaces, and actually, it took repeat viewings before I realized they had kind of tried to cover themselves, so it wasn't as big a bump as I thought. Which was uh, Aaron uh, showing up in her Ghostbusters gear. Um, so when she's, you know, when the whole thing about get out of the city and she throws the tablecloth and realizes that the, uh, everything's going down and then yeah. she does the, uh, you know, hails the cab and it, he won't drive her to Chinatown, meaning he won't take her back to the, the headquarters. What I missed the first time, because everybody was laughing at, you know, cheering on the whole Dan Aykroyd cameo and the line he just said, I didn't really pick up that she goes, I need to get my equipment. Yeah. And she needs to go to Chinatown because that's where the Chinese restaurant is. Exactly. So we knew what she was doing. And even though he ran off, she did the statement, I need to get my equipment. Whereas since I didn't notice it the first time, it felt like a big bump where suddenly she shows up to, you know, to mini save the day. Yeah. And and there's there's a bigger, there's a bigger bump there too, because Holtzman yells, welcome back. And I'm like, what? You guys just saw her like five six hours ago yeah right like there there's definitely something there that was missing like i would gilbert left or like aaron quits the team or there was there was a subplot there that i feel like was cut or something happened i will throw this out here if tom waltz wants uh wants to give me the go-ahead here i would very much uh think it'd be hilarious actually we don't even know if they're doing the 2016 stuff do we let's put it this way if idw gets to do any 2016 stuff i think it'd be awesome to do a bit where it covers her finally getting back to the hq she's gathering her gear and has a conversation with the ghost of heist because everything's all supercharged and the oh, apocalypse is God, going that's down brilliant and he's still there and they have their little conversation back and forth and then she runs off to go save the day yeah and and think of think of in the same bill murray voice they're like well i was an idiot i guess yeah. ghosts are real because i'm if, one now i think like, that'll be a fun conversation yeah. as she rushes around the the, the restaurant picking up her oh, gear and good. hopping into her outfit and all that eric dan tom are you guys listening make that happen that's that'd be amazing that's I'd, so I'd, good <laughs> yeah but uh that was the one little logical bump um uh kevin kevin wanting to be a ghostbuster that happened very fast that was you. the other one be- and actually and the thing was is that 
it was 50% of the way there. The bit where he shows up and goes, um, uh, he shows up and is like, yeah, I got all this stuff because I can be a Ghostbuster. So if you just show, throw me down a thing. But his read about where he throws like kind of a mini tantrum about, I could be, you never let me be a Ghostbuster. It's like, this is a conversation we've never had. We've, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, Kevin, and... this is never. And it feels like it was kind of linked to like in the trailers we saw his whole thing, like somebody should build some equipment to deal with these damn ghosts. Exactly and they do what that. we do here. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. It feels like that may have been where the conversation was that he kind of. Well, and it's, I, it's almost one of those things that I feel like could have been smoothed over with like the, the one thing that I missed from this movie. And when I left all three times, I was like, God, I wish they just would have done this one thing. It needed a passage of time. It needed, in the middle of a movie, a montage to the Ghostbusters theme song where we see them becoming successful, where where we see them trapping ghosts, where we see the public getting to know who they are, uh, where we see Kevin trying to... Because here's, here's where I really bumped. We go from Abby in the, um, in the alleyway wrestling the alligator, not knowing how to use her proton beam to going to the Beasts of Mayhem concert and they adequately trap something to immediately like they're like doing somersaults and they're like super pros with their proton packs. I just, I need, I wanted something a little more in there. I wanted to see them. It's, it's partially because again, it's, it's such a nostalgic movie. I just wanted the montage in the middle of the movie with the Ghostbusters theme song but also I think, I think a little passage of time would have helped them just kind of smooth a little bit of those bumps out. Maybe I will counterpoint you though, that that would have flown completely in the face of the whole, we're trying to keep you guys quiet thing. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, it would but really I- have undermined the whole, it's one thing that the city undermines them on three or four cases or whatever it is, as opposed to a whole string of them. I, but they I, I know, mean, but I the do... city knows at the end of the day who they are. So obviously somehow they get notoriety and I don't, again, I feel like that part of that could have been a plot point, but I also felt like that was a little bit of a nod to the original movie with, Oh yes, they'll be completely discreet. And then they show up in the 59 caddy in front of the hotel, you know, like that. <laughs> yes. I, I thought that that was kind of just a throwback to, discretion with your very un-American siren. Yeah. Speaking of throwaway reference lines to her bit at the end where she's like, uh, thank you for being discreet. It's completely not working, but we appreciate it. <laughs> we like, appreciate it. Yeah. The yeah. whole being discreet line again is another nice little, little nod back to. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, mean, by, I, I, get, the... I get that. It would have, it would have been <laughs> counterpoint to them being discreet. And then, but, but again, if, if they are Batman, you need you need the public sort of having this urban legend about Batman showing up when the situation is dire and oh my god I was being mugged and all of a sudden this thing came out of the shadows and saved me I, I can't explain what it was would like to put forth a small conspiracy <laughs> theory all right what you got put um, on the tinfoil hats guys here we go you'll recall my whole little thing about whether the universe is meat or not do you recall yeah, my yeah. my my half-assed guess of where they how they could have played it out i uh, i do but but remind me it where it amounted to 20 some odd years have passed nobody remembers the original ghostbusters which is a line in the movie well here's the thing <laughs> exactly um you have a bust of 
for lack of uh, since he's never mentioned by name, you basically have at Columbia University, his alma mater, a statue of, of Dr. Egon, Egon Spangler. Spangler. Yeah. You have the city hall saying right in the middle of the movie, this stuff's happened before uh, and we've put it to bed and people get bored and forget about Everybody it. Everybody forgets. Yeah. And then yeah. the last thing is, is your whole point that if they had had the montage where the city gets to know them, even after all this time, surely somebody would have went, anybody else remembered that thing 25 years ago? Like, whereas <laughs> if they're being kept quiet, there's, even though it did show up on the news and all that, the more you minimize the whole, the city gets to know them, it helps also minimize why the city has not woken up and gone, oh, wait, Ghostbusters, why does that sound familiar? It also, right. and the little nod, like the news guys going, they just, out of thin air, came up the with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters? Yeah, like, and, like, and Aaron is pissed at that. Like, but the Ghostbusters, no, you know, conductors of the metaphysical, come on. Yeah, it's but why why exactly did the news guys mm. pull that out of thin air? Again, there's there's enough there that if you if you wanted to explain it, some some news producer guy kind of goes, "What was that group? Those those wackos that because they weren't there, they didn't see fucking Stay Puff. They oh yeah, oh, remember those guys in '84? The whatever they were called. Oh, there was the, a, was yeah. that thing? They were, I just put Ghostbusters sort of thing. So I I stand that if they wanted to, not that they will necessarily. Because well, does that does does that mean to you, I'm going to put you on the spot sure. here, fourth cataclysm, does that mean that the three previous cataclysms were Gozer slash Zool, Vigo, and then the, the video game, Zool again? It could. That that worked. Wow, you're good at this. We, get, we got to write this. Call Paul Feig. That writes in very well. <laughs> and then, of course, without spoiling it for anybody, even though Feig has said explicitly that it was just a fan service wink at us at the end credits that they reference Zool in EVP, right? Something still floating around in the void. Yeah. Connected to... Because remember, Where and when was that recorded? Was that when the portal was open and all of the universes had converged? Like, when when was that recorded? Gozer got smacked down. Uh, What happened to the minions? Well, the minions got back in, you know, trapped back into the portal, presumably. Right, right. So... If you and I wanted to, and us and any number of of clever people, we could pull enough of these strings together to go, actually, it is the same universe, because this is just how it goes. We don't have long, we don't remember things very well, particularly pre-internet, and (laughs) yeah, sure, right? Like, a couple of strange things happened in a five-year, but two, literally two strange things happened in a five-year period. The rest is all urban legend. My uncle said he saw ghost once, whatever he's crazy um yeah let let, let, let me ask uh, a lot of you younger listeners out there do you know what a commodore 64 is without looking it up no a lot of you probably don't <laughs> and it was a big deal all right that was a personal computer if, if something was like cataclysmic if a stay puff marshmallow man showed up in new york you might think ah, oh, yeah that's a uh, it's an urban legend that didn't really ever happen no come on so yeah, i think that's that's a possibility I mean, I, I think so. And, and just to sort of put a cap on, because we're hitting the two hour mark and I know we're going to have a whole lot more to say about this. Oh, no doubt. There's tons to talk about. But I, I feel like the conversations that you and I are having right now, Chris, is they really, really, really did a great job of laying the groundwork for a lot of unanswered questions of a yes. lot of storytelling avenues of things that I want to see or have explained to me or. Yeah. 
I, I mean, the fact that these four characters have now been introduced and can hold their own, it, it I, I mean, guys, don't send me out on rails here because of this, but <laughs> if we never see Peter Vankman, Ray Stance, Egon Spangler, and Winston, Sp- uh, Winston Spangler, I'm tired, Winston Zedmore again, I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm actually like if, if in the live action realm, we never see or refer to these characters again, I know that they existed. I know that they were there. I'm, I'm okay with these four characters moving forward. And yes, if, if the, if the universe is somehow aligned and we somehow have a portal or a rift in the space time continuum open up and those characters are alluded to, great fantastic if yeah. ray stands shows up to advise these guys in their their moment of need that's going to be a huge huge moment for for ghostbusters fans and and for 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 whoever gets to write that story obviously but they've really done a great job like i i feel i feel these characters have connected i feel like they can continue the story i feel like the world that they've established can continue the story to the point where if when ecto force comes out and it's 30 years later Oh God! Yeah, think of the possibilities. Considering all that, they, look how fast Holtzman's technology uh, evolved in the span of a two-hour movie. Thirty years from now, what are they going to have? You know? Yeah, I, I think some people might go, "Oh, but the cameos ruin it." I don't think it ruins the chances. No, like no, Ackroyd's no. thing shows up and he plays such a character. He goes back to Ray. Nobody. Nobody goes, why, why does he look like the cab driver? Like if Bill Murray happened to ever want to come back, he'd take the floppy hat off and the glasses and tell him to be more Peter Venkman. That's fine. You know He's what I mean? Fine. Like, yeah. It's it's the bums it's the bums that were cut out of the first movie. Exactly. Like, even even uh uh Ernie Hudson, his appearance was so short lived that again, it just doesn't interfere with him coming back as as uh, as Winston Zedmore. Even though theoretically, you know, you could argue that he was the closest to Winston Zedmore just because he showed up and he was Ernie Hudson, right? Like, for lack of a <laughs> yeah, better, exactly. he cheered, showed up and he he was Ernie Hudson. It will work fine. So, yeah. but but I wanna I wanna I wanna uh, reinforce your point. I think you're absolutely right. All all this stuff that you and I are doing here and talking about. All it means is it indicates that this movie successfully laid down enough uh, peat moss and fertilizer and seeds that <laughs> you, they can grow whatever garden they want now. Yeah, yeah. It's there's there's a, and they and as we just proved they could take it a million different ways. It's, yeah, and and multiple filmmakers could take it in different. I mean, let's say Paul Feig doesn't want to do a direct sequel and say the Russos come back into play or whoever. They now have created that sandbox with all of the ingredients that you just mentioned that they can play in that same garden and create different things and it can it can offshoot. And that's the whole point of what they're trying to do. So, you know, yes, um, again, kind of going back to what we talked about in the news, they're playing the long game in terms of revenue streams and making sure that this is, again, continuing to be an evergreen property that they've now hooked younger kids onto, which... I mean, God, going back to, and I'm not, again, I know that this has been a go-to to like, well, I was there with my girls and my girls have no interest in this, but I went with my friends uh, who have two daughters, eight and six years old, and the six-year-old turned to her dad immediately after watching the movie and said, can we watch it again? Unprompted, immediately asked her dad to watch the movie again, and it was like 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's it's way too late for this kid to watch the movie again. Yeah, but I, that's that's exactly the reaction that they're looking for. They want they want the younger crowd to be latching onto this so that 
30 years from now when um chris you and my kids are doing the interdimensional cross rip episode 1422 no they're still talking about it you know it's still it it's gonna outlive us it's gonna outlive ivan and dan and yeah. bill and and everybody it's it's that's what they're looking for that's what they're aiming for yeah they hit the sweet spot i mean let's be honest here all of us wished it could have been uh, perfectly magical but the you know the realists among us realized that you can't please all the people all the time meaning it was always going to be uh uh, uh fun but never was never going to recreate you know the way we regard yeah. the first one but what they did manage to do is um and this has come up a couple of times and you're, you bringing up your uh, friends and their daughters and all that kind of reminded me for the people who are still coming out and kind of, kind of like, if you ask anybody, Oh yeah, it's fun. There's some real funny bits. Oh, I thought this bit was kind of stupid or I thought that bit was kind of stupid. Those bits, kids think they're hilarious. They've done yes. the pics. They've done the Pixar thing where any, if anything in the movie strikes an adult is kind of dumb, the kids are going to love it. And conversely, the stuff that we're laughing at, kids aren't going to get. <laughs> so. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the rhythm of the night, dancing sequence i i'm amused by it i love kate yeah. mckinnon's performance in that and it's it tickles me the eight and the six-year-old were laughing hysterically they thought that was the funniest thing that they've ever seen in their entire life and that that was that got the biggest laugh out of them throughout the entire movie again it's uh, it goes back to 84 ghostbusters i i saw that movie i loved it i didn't understand a lot of the stuff they were talking about my parents wouldn't explain it to me for some reason uh, and then I got older and I understood, oh my God, he called him dickless. And that, you know, the, you yeah. start understanding the nuance of the movie and, you know, same thing, um, the, for better or for worse, the, the jokes that are in there that are a little more adult, kids don't get those. Would it disgust you more if you knew it was from the front or the back? If you knew it was from the front kids or the back. Kids don't get it. Adults think it's pretty no. funny. <laughs> I, I honestly, again, Kelly was sitting next to me that first viewing and that I cannot, I cannot stress that got the biggest laugh out of her. The, I mean, and, and you know, we're, we're within a crowd of like 300 ghost heads and you can hear my wife, Kelly going like, ah! like she, she loved that particular one. Um, um, so I think we can kind of bookend from our premiere experience to now, by just a virtual high five to Karen Sony for oh man for his appearance as Benny because yes. he's yeah. he's his standout. We didn't know anything when we met him on the red carpet going in and came out. He's one of the funniest things in it. He really is. He sort of I mean he told us on the red carpet I show up five times and and the entire time I'm like one, two three okay he's coming back i know he's coming back four there he is okay wait yeah. where's the fifth one where's the fifth one and all improv as he put it nothing written. Yeah, they just improved um <laughs> his, you know, the, and his the... half ass trying to drag her out i tried <laughs> i tried not yeah. very well not very karen hard. sony i mean i think i think that again we'll, we'll talk about the characters in depth yeah. but the casting not just with the four leads um but the supporting cast is unbelievable mm -hmm. like Zach Woods opens that movie like a champ, man. Like the that first sequence. Oh, speaking of so much rested on that. Weight of the world on his shoulders on that one. And yeah, he knocked it out of the park. His like the the little like just the throwaway jokes that kind of ease people into it, what like the Irish proof fence and the face bidet yeah, and I'm, the, I'm reading the book. The book doesn't have those jokes in it, so obviously <laughs> 
Not in the script. Oh, Obviously not. In the script. And he actually and, and oh god, the one the one that really sets it off at the beginning, the the uh the one where he's like uh oh what's his name? Ed Begley uh, Jr.'s uh character. Oh uh yes, uh he's been dead for fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yeah. Well who's that then? See that's Junior. Yeah, that's obviously <laughs> who I meant. <laughs> I mean, just so good. And you know, the so you, you talk about Karen Sony and then uh Bess Ross is uh-huh. Gertrude Aldridge. Um we you and I didn't think that any of the other space people were in it, but uh Milana Vin um blank on her last name, Vintraub, what how do you say her last name? Also, the yeah, I mean the uh, AT&T she? girl. So the oh. the sewer rats are coming out of the subway, and she for like maybe fifteen frames. You see her turn around, and the rats like run through her back, and she goes ah, like oh, runs nice. away. So she's in it. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, Ed Bagley Jr., who you mentioned. Um, uh, I, I, we haven't even talked about. Um, uh, Rowan, uh, and uh, yeah, Neil Casey was Neil Casey. Perfect. Um, just, I mean, yeah, so, so many great roles, so many cool people. It's just, I, we're going to be dissecting this thing for months, which is good because we're going to have some time to fill. So enjoy, so it's your, okay. enjoy your extra time. <laughs> exactly. Hey guys. This is uh, Matt from New Jersey. Uh, it's been a couple of days since I have seen the new film, so I figured I'd call in with my thoughts. I enjoyed it. I give it a solid 7 out of 10. There were some parts I took a little bit of issue with, but overall, it's really nice to see that uh, Ghostbusters is, is back. Um, I know that there have been some, uh, some rumblings about uh, the potentiality that you know, we're going to somehow get some connected universes or universi whatever the uh proper term would be but um yeah even if even if there isn't it's just really nice to see uh you know the new team is good um obviously everyone loves Holtzman she's uh she's a riot uh Aaron seems to really level things out and you know ground everything I think Abby's probably the weakest character, but that's not to say that the character in and of itself is weak. She's just, you know, doesn't stand out the way the other ones do. And of course, Leslie Jones is, you know, I know a lot of us thought she was going to be this, you know, stereotypical loudmouth black woman, but, you know, she was, uh, she was probably the most relatable, very, uh, Winston-esque. So, um, I, I've been saying it over and over again. I love the fact that the little green spud kind of uh, ended up saving the day there, you know. And uh, other than that, yeah, I really liked it. Um, probably going to see it again sometime this week. Went to the first screening in all full gear. Handed out some uh, some Echo Cooler juice boxes to anyone who knew what I was. There was one gentleman who, uh, shockingly enough, said, I don't know what that thing is on your back, but it looks cool as hell. So... He didn't get a juice box, but everyone else did who wanted to take pictures and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, other than that, um, really looking forward to the announcement of a sequel or whatever's coming down the pipeline here. So, I know this is going a little bit too long, probably. So, anyway, um, yeah, uh, you guys did a great job covering uh, the green carpet event. And, uh, yeah, 
congratulations. Hopefully, uh, hopefully there are many, many, many more years of Ghostbuster relevancy coming our way. So, with that said, who are you going to call? Hey, Troy. Hey, Chris. It's me, Bernie, uh, your intern. And I just saw the new Ghostbusters, and it's way better than Ghostbusters 2. I mean, I love Ghostbusters 2. I love the original as well, but this is... It was such an amazing movie. I can't wait to see it multiple times. It's gonna be freaking fantastic. Can't wait for the sequel when to do it. I love the homages. I love the cameos. It was fantastic. And like always, see you on the other side. Hello again, CrossRip. This is Joseph Tancredelli from the Atlanta Ghostbusters. Uh, really feeling good today after hearing that Walk the Moon single and uh, getting our early screening tickets from Sony. Uh, to see to see the new movie, um, and I wanted to call because uh, just yesterday I got to watch them finally wrap the third episode uh, filming of one of my members' uh, new web series, the uh, GBWebSeries.com. It's the Ghostbusters web series, uh, where he is doing a continuation from the original movies, and it has a, a cast of real actors, real people in the film industry. We're in Atlanta, we're in the Hollywood, as they are calling it, regrettably. Uh, and uh, and he's and he's using these resources to to the best of his advantage. And I just wanted to plug that for him. He's uh, um, uh, that's Joseph Lavender and Ali O'Neill. They're both killing it right now. Uh, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing from what they're putting out. It's really exciting to know somebody who's doing something like that. Uh, and I would like to share that with everyone. And I hope everyone checks it out. The first episode's already out. Second episode's coming out uh, early next month. Uh, and uh, they're on schedule, they're coming out with things, there's not going to be an indefinite hiatus, um, and then they're really putting together something worth seeing, I think. So that's gdwebseries.com, uh, you can look them up, uh, just called Ghostbusters, the web series, uh, or the Ghostbusters, a web series. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, you can find them on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff, but anyway, uh, please check them out. Uh, and uh, thanks again, CrossRip. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to hear from you uh, until after the movie, but we're lo- all looking forward to it, and we hope it all turns out well. Uh, have a good one. Hey, guys. This is Donald from uh, Fairfield, California, in the beautiful Bay Area, and uh, I wanted to call and give my thoughts on the new Ghostbusters movie. I saw it Tuesday night, um, and I will try to be as spoiler conscious as possible um i really really enjoyed this movie i had a great time um i laughed a lot there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie um to me you know in reading some of the reviews i see a lot of people say that kate mckinnon you know is stealing the show but but my personal opinion i think that uh, melissa mccarthy and kristen wigg really shined in this movie they were my favorite characters um, I love Benny, the uh, delivery guy. He was uh, a, a gem for this film. Um, I really love the effects. The ghosts were gorgeous. I mean, really, really beautiful special effects. Um, it's a solid four out of five for me. It's not a perfect film. Obviously, you know, it's, there are some issues. No one can say that this is a perfect film. Uh, but I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm looking forward to see it again on Sunday. And I really hope that people out there give this movie a chance. I see a lot of negativity and hatred 
on uh, social media about this film from a lot of people who've never seen the movie and, and do not intend to see it. And I really think that you should see this movie. I, um, I highly recommend it. If you want a good laugh, and definitely 100% stay to the very end of the credits. That is very important. Uh, stay to the end of the credits. You will not be disappointed. Uh, love you guys' show. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all that you do for the Ghostbusters community. And uh, bye. Hello, Troy and Chris. This is C.D. Williams. I was just calling to let you know my thoughts on the new movie. I saw it once on Friday, today is Saturday, and I actually went back today and saw it with uh, my mom and my sister, both of which uh, are also big Ghostbusters fans by proxy, because I am, so they've been around it forever. Um, and my little sister really, really enjoyed it. Before we even got out of the theater, she said to me that if they make another one, we have to go see it, like, immediately. Um, so, and it's working. We definitely got a new generation of ghost heads. Uh, there was a bunch of little kids in the theater just eating it all up, and the adults were laughing their asses off as well. So it's doing exactly what we hoped it would do, I think. Um, I just hope the movie does well. My personal thoughts, I, I, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but I absolutely love every frame of this movie. Um, and I went and saw it twice already, and both times... Uh, there are certain moments where I get like a little teary-eyed and it's, it's a weird experience because I've never actually had a movie that made me get teary-eyed because I was happy. Uh, I've never had that experience in a movie until now, so uh, I want to just thank Paul Feig, Katie Dippel, and the entire cast and crew of that movie because it has made me and a lot of people that I'm seeing them friends with online, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, very happy, so... Uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think of the movie. I loved it, um, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, guys, this is Josh Thompson from Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, at JJT underscore photo on Twitter. Uh, huge fan of the podcast. I got to say, I went and saw the movie last night. I've been just full of stress over how I was going to feel about it, and... I was nervous. We got there. We weren't allowed to wear our packs into the theater. My wife and I uh, dressed up. We had to leave our packs in the Jeep. We, we got in there. There was no one else in line. There were maybe ten people in the theater. And I was really nervous. And then three minutes into the movie, I completely forgot all, all stress. It was fantastic. I have no issues with it. I need to see it a hundred more times to really understand how I feel about it, but I just had so much fun watching that movie. Everybody was great. I can't wait for more. I really hope that this does well enough that they decide to continue this series. So that's all I had to say. Uh, once again, big fan of the podcast, and uh, see you on the other side. Hello, Chris and Troy. My name is William Vega, and I represent Ghostbusters Honduras. I'm here in Miami, Florida. Got a chance to watch the movie yesterday night, Thursday night, at a IMAX showing in, uh, in what is essentially one of the biggest IMAX theaters in the city. Um, the turnout wasn't that great, to be honest. Um, in the movie theater, there was around uh, maybe 12 to 15 people at the showing. But regardless, I did enjoy the movie. I enjoyed the whole thing. 
from beginning to end from the um, um, Ghostbuster, uh, Ghost Corp, sorry, um, animated logo at the beginning to the after credits scene. Definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I saw a great chemistry. I really loved the tech that they used in the movie. And overall, uh, I left uh, the movie theater with a positive feeling. Uh, I really recommend it to my friends, but it's going to be a tough sell for the Latin American community, I think, in some way. Because um, maybe the comedy is not something that uh, we're used to in Latin America particularly. And there's the whole negative aspect about the movie. But otherwise, uh, I will try my best to motivate people to see this movie and give it a chance because it definitely deserves it. And when it's its own thing, it definitely shines, but when it relies on some of the tropes and some of the stuff that we saw previously, it kind of it kind of falls for me. But otherwise, I think it was great. I, it was truly enjoyable, and I'll try to watch it again as soon as possible. So that's my opinion concerning the movie. I hope that uh, everybody gets a chance to see it, and it definitely deserves a chance. And. I will keep in touch with you guys when, whenever I can. I'm really grateful for your podcast. It definitely has shown me the, the ropes uh, around what uh, a fran- uh, Ghostbusters franchise should be, or what a Ghostbusters fan should be, and what they should do. And you guys have really inspired me through your podcast. Uh, I've been listening to it since the beginning of the year and that's around the same time when I established the franchise as well and um, so far it's been really great I'm really grateful for the Ghosthead community it's been wonderful and I really appreciate it definitely all of you uh, are an inspiration for us to grow and to see this thing definitely um, grow as well in Latin America that's my purpose, you know, we want to uh, transmit the same idea. Hey, Chris. Hey, Troy. This is uh, J-Dub from the Circle City Ghostbusters of Indianapolis, Indiana, also known as Lion Hartley. I just received the Ghostbusters loot crate that I won in your contest, and I figured I'd do an unboxing call, because un- unboxing videos are kind of a thing, but you're a podcast, so, you know, it makes sense. So I've uh, I cut the tape on it, and I'm opening the box now. And I see a t-shirt. This looks like... Oh, wow. This is kind of like a tuxedo t-shirt style thing for uh, the new Ghostbusters uniform. I love it because I love those orange stripes. That's awesome. What else is in here? A uh, a Ghostbusters logo doormat. That would be useful. I have a door. You know, I don't think I have a doormat right now, but I, I do now. So that's good. What's this? Proton Pack. That's pretty cool. The new movie Proton Pack replica. The tiny one. That's pretty nice. I like it. That looks really good, actually. Got the little numbers readout on it and everything, and the caution striping. That's nice. It looks kind of like the one that uh, they sold on Amazon, but it's it's bigger, I think, and it, it's got a little more detail to it. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And what else? I uh, don't know what that is like straps or something and oh a titan slimer and he's like oh he's bigger than like the normal titan things like the size of the ecto of the box on these 
That's awesome. That looks great. What else is in here? Ooh, a pen of the new Ecto-1. That'll look nice on the old white suit. And... Assuming there's art prints in this envelope. There are. Oh, nice. One of them is the uh, the Proton Punch. It looks like it's concept art for the Proton Punch. And then it looks like one of them is the Museum Ghost from the new movie, which I will be seeing on Friday. And finally, there's this thing that oh, it looks like the Ghost Trap. It looks like it has uh, all of the stuff lifted that I got. And it says that if they turn the box inside out, it turns into a proton pack. And oh, yeah, there's like a proton pack printed on the inside of the box. That's really cool, like an old an old school one. That's awesome. I just want to say thank you. I guess that's what these steps are for. Well, yeah, now I want to say thank you guys so much for um, for running this contest and for selecting me. And uh, keep up the great work on the show. And yeah, I'll see you on the other side. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... Ghostbusters! Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, so we kept it kind of under two hours, but um, I, so so here's the thing: we talked about the new movie for about an hour. We talked about news yeah. about the new movie in the future. The good news for those of you that are listening, that are, are fans of classic Ghostbusters, yes, there's a lot of cool classic Ghostbusters stuff on the horizon too. So don't. Again, if if the new movie wasn't your cup of tea, if you're still trying to get a feel for it, um, there's going to be a lot of great programming from us coming in the future that's that's classic related. So classic related, and just wide open. And you, wide open. You, there's yeah. so much. You and I have tracked, well, podcast wise, uh, for a year, tracked the one movie. For the last couple of years, uh, outside of the podcast, it was the one movie. Prior to that, it was the previous movie. 
Now moving ahead, it's classic. It's the new, like the new movie sequel, the whatever. Like there's multiple tracks there's coming so out. Now. Yeah, there's so many. And and the great thing, I mean, again, I, I know I mentioned it last week, but I mean, thank you to all of the listeners and all of the supporters that we've had on the the cross rip that. You know, you guys keep us going, and what, amazingly, when we went to the red carpet premiere, the slime carpet premiere, if you will, we had a lot of awesome people come up to us and go, oh my god, I've heard about your podcast, I'd love to talk to you. I mean, we're going to have some great guests that came to us, which I was incredibly surprised about. So, you know, we, we have some some great guests from the classic Ghostbusters films who may or may not have been involved in the new film or in the future of the films, and... God, I, it's the cool thing about this is it, it, the stuff is moving forward. I mean, uh, worst case scenario, uh, we would have been sitting in the Chinese theater and we would have been watching that movie and been like, oh, oh boy, oh, oh no, oh, things have gone horribly right. I've made a horrible mistake and everything would have just sort of fizzled out and we would be having a post a post-mortem about the movie now where yeah. we're thinking wow god what went wrong um and the good news is that's not what's happening so um f- for us as a, as podcasters and as fans man the sky's the limit we're gonna have a whole lot to, to talk about to you guys <laughs> with in the future we may need to rethink the weekly thing <laughs> <laughs> we, we really will we're gonna have to we're going to have four shows, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then a weekend, uh, plus the Cyclotron, and I, I don't know. <laughs> Guys, uh, I, now I understand why people try to monetize podcasts, because I don't know how I'm going to fit this into the day job, which is kind of crazy right now, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Don't, we'll don't worry, we've work. got good programming coming your way. But hey, Chris, here's the deal. It's been, uh, let's see, last week. Last week was the red carpet. The week before that was the Sean Bishop show. The week before that, I don't think you got him in. So it's been four episodes since you've gotten final thoughts. No pressure, but I'm putting you on the spot. What do you got? Uh, I designed and bought myself a, a hot dog house t-shirt. <laughs> I want one. That's my, I want, I that's want my one. final thought. Um... Oh god, there are so many t-shirts from this movie that I want and I have seen people already like the hot dog in the house yeah. and the uh That's an easy one to remake. Uh sa- safety lights are for dudes. Safety That's lights one are for dudes I is really, a good really one. want. Yeah. Uh yeah. No, there, there there are no final thoughts cuz I think, you know, thematically uh boy, there's still lots more to come, really. Yeah, this is just the beginning. Um which is which is good. Again, I mean yeah. God, I, even going back three, four years ago, uh, this conversation would have never happened. I mean, we would have been talking about, yeah, look, Maddie Collector has these figures coming out, and they may be doing props. And um, what'd you yeah. have for breakfast? What uh, what do you got? And I, it's again, it's it's a great problem to have. We have a whole lot to talk about, and. I mean, I genuinely, I know God, I, enthusiasm always gets misinterpreted as we're shills. You guys are getting paid. You appeared on the Ghost Core Facebook page. Now you guys are definitely in bed with the studio. Oh, no. I, I, I actually came up with the, the perfect uh, anti-shill argument. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is over the Leslie Jones thing, <laughs> where I basically informed people that if they had any sort of self-important uh, or self-entitled reaction to the whole Leslie Jones thing uh, they could take a hike <laughs> like, like yep, was, peace out I was don't like, let the doorknob hit you go yeah. I do not need to retain followers 
Yeah. I do uh, not need I do not need to entertain your crappy state of <laughs> state of mind in order for a return that I am yeah. not actually in fact getting. So I'm not getting paid to put up with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, but I interrupted I, your but no, no. I mean, it, it's it's the the enthusiasm is genuine. At least, I mean, I, I, on our parts, I can't speak for everybody, but yeah. at least for me, I, I'm. I wouldn't have gone to see this movie three times if I didn't enjoy myself. If I I didn't enjoy the movie, yeah. if I didn't want to know more about it. Like again, we, there have been yeah. so many movies I see and I go, "Yep, I'm done. I'm good. I don't need to buy that one on Blu-ray." That kind of thing. <laughs> We, um, I thought about it. I'm surprised it didn't hit me earlier, but once I'd seen the movie and my brain kind of cleared a bit, I, I kind of realized that the two camps, the hater camp only had one win condition, and that was the utter flop of the movie. We had a much larger win condition, which was as long as it, it's average or above, and it turns out to be above average we win like so we're here now we win so we're do, we're doing the stuff that you do when you see a movie and it's fun and yeah. we've said it's not perfect but it's fun we're doing we're referencing it we're quoting it we're making yeah, fun it's, hilarious t-shirts out of it now it's and and i know it's one that's going to really uh, it's really going to grow on me the more times i see it the more nuanced things that i notice i'm going to really enjoy more and yep. uh, it's it's perfect again the good news is it doesn't totally suck so uh, well, i think some of the 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 insane behavior online since the movie came out is coming out of that exact fact we all looked at it and went it's fun and off we went and the other side said oh my god reviews are mixed meaning it's not an utter <laughs> flop what, what, what do we, we do? do? I, I don't. I don't understand. There's. <laughs> there's a gray area. I don't understand what, what we should do in this middle ground. I. I just uh, does not compute. Error. Error. I'm error. Sh- and I'm <laughs> sure they'll be telling us that this movie flopped, all the way through to the release of the sequel, yeah, and the, the third the animated movie. Yeah. And exactly. They'll insist that somehow it was a flop. Boy, I hope on its failure five years from now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so, hey, uh, good news is there's a lot for us to talk about. Good news is we have a whole lot of shows ahead of us, um, and uh, we've got some fun stuff in the rearview mirror, a lot of fun stuff uh, on the horizon, so... You know, keep keep tuned to the uh, interdimensional crosser. We got we got some cool stuff for you guys. I promise you. I promise you, it's going to be a lot of fun. So stick with us. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's it. Two hours and some in, and we're going to have a few more hours, I'm sure, to talk about. But uh, until next week, I'm Troy Benjamin. That was Chris Stewart. We'll see you guys on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters interdimensional crossrip. Visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. Hey, this could be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bashmasters. Anything you're doing is bad. And let's get to know this. You truly scare me. I just want to let you know that. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird. My feet still hurt. (laughs) 